Cinema Oddies, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or else kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, I want to start with a question. It's a question I've asked before, not on this podcast. I don't think to Zach, but it's a question that I always ask when I see it at the start of a movie. Zach, what the fuck is a McG? What what is this? What is this? Is this really a person or is this like a Hollywood entity that just produces films? Like what what is a McG? Can you enlighten me, please? McG is a person who I think like, people hate him. And even when he was making Terminator Salvation, people I hate hated him. Name. I hate his yeah, name a lot. <laughs> I know there's an interview somewhere with him that I read. I think, oh, I might have it right here with me. Okay, I have to look for it. I know there's an interview with him in Entertainment Weekly talking about Terminator Salvation. Oh, man, I have it right here. I know this giant pile of Entertainment Weeklies I have on my floor has been paying off for the last <laughs> how many months. And I know he's interviewed... And he's like, oh, people think I have a stupid name, but I'm more than just a stupid name. I have to, I have to find it now. I'm going through it. <laughs> I'm more than just a stupid name. I'm a yes. stupid director. <laughs> All <laughs> right. I have this to is, say, I did, oh, yeah, go for it. This is from the May 20, 2009 Entertainment Weekly with Christian Bale on the cover. And it says, Terminator is back. And then parenthetical, it says, what don't you effing understand? <laughs> and then it says, Christian Bale, I'm playing John Connor, his most intense roles in that on-set rant, which we all know Rob will get to in good time. Of course. Uh, oh, God. Okay. So it said, <laughs> at one point in this article, he talks about how he had, it says, and I'm quote, then McGee made his final Hail Mary gambit. He pleaded with Bale to take a chance on him. <laughs> Oh the, di- the director pleaded with Christian Bale to be in the movie. All right, here it is. Okay, this, I found the quote. Bale recalls, quote, I had this guy sitting there saying, Christian, didn't somebody ever take a leap of faith on you to do something radically different than you've ever done before? Give me that opportunity. So I'm thinking, oh, blank. Bale's advisors were against it, too. Not just because Terminator Salvation was a sequel to a sequel to a sequel, but also because of McGee himself, a man with little more to his credit than the OC, a couple of Charlie's Angel movies, and a ridiculous name. <laughs> that's wonderful. Actually, that's in the article. Okay, I know. You know what? I've had this Entertainment Weekly for over a decade. I was thinking about throwing it out in the last couple of months, and I'm so glad I didn't just for that reason. The hoarding pays off. <laughs> it does. So yes, Rob, that is your answer. Mick G is considered a hack. Uh, I think he was then. He's certainly considered one now. And I think that's it. I think that's all that has to be. At least that's all I have to say about Mick G. Okay, okay. So I, I, in all fairness, I do have to say I have heard of him before. Um, I looked it up, you know, as I was writing my notes for this movie that I, I saw he directed the 2000s Charlie's Angel movies. So what's that? Cameron Diaz, right? And Drew Barrymore yes. and okay, Lucy Liu and Bill Murray, who turns into Bernie Mac. Oh, yes. OK. <laughs> uh, I also noticed that he directed The Babysitter, which was a Netflix movie someone recommended to me years ago. And I watched it and I hated it. Like a major plot point is literally the existence of Mad Men. 
Like that movie does not work if Mad Men does not exist. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so yeah, um, I guess now that that important question is out of the way, what the fuck is a McG? He's the director of this movie. But I want to take it back a little bit because as I think we've alluded to in previous episodes during this month, this Terminator series, we have our first double feature on Cinemodities. We are actually going to be discussing both Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis today. And I want to throw it over to Zach now as to why. Why why are we combining these two into one? I think I know, but tell our audience. <laughs> Goosebumps? Aha, I took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and because I don't think there's a lot. After we, we've talked about Terminator now for three weeks. We spent nearly three hours talking. Well, by the time Ra gets through editing the Terminator 3 episode, there's a very real possibility that it is three hours. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, no, I think at this point, part of the reason was Goosebumps. The other part was also, how much more can we talk about these movies? Uh, as of now, we have eight hours on the record. And chances are we're going to add another two at least. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. So Cinemodies, I think, has covered quite a large area when it comes to the Terminator canon. Yo, yeah, definitely. And I think that's a that's a good call. Um, we could definitely, as it's been proven, we can talk about these movies for a good bit of time. Um, but I, I also believe that I think when you originally pitched it to me, Zach, you were interested in combining these two because there's not really much to them on their own. And it's almost worth it to, you know, kind of jam them into one. And I have to agree. These movies are all over the place. I I don't even know, like, what we were saying last week, where there shouldn't be Terminator 4 or 5. It should be, like, 3A, 3B, and 3C almost. Because this is where it fell apart. Like, I loved the trilogy of what we dedicated those first three episodes to. And these movies just don't fit within that. They they almost detract from it. Uh, I, okay. I don't know how far, because my context for these movies is much shorter than the uh, the previous three. When Terminator Salvation like got announced, I, or I don't, I don't remember when it got announced, but when I first like, kind of got my I got wind of it, I think it was in the summer or maybe spring of 2008. It's like, oh, they're making a, ter- a Terminator 4, and it's going to have Christian Bale. And I think Bryce Dallas Howard, it's like, oh, Arnold probably won't be in it because he's the governor of California. And I'm like, oh... I'm like, okay, I, I'm still on board. It has the word Terminator in the title. I guess mm-hmm. I should say also that I was, what, a sophomore in high school at this time? So I'm like, whatever, I'm happy. And I remember like in the hype leading up to The Dark Knight, someone being like, oh, there's going to be a Terminator Salvation trailer attached to like The Dark Knight. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, I wasn't, I was never a huge Batman person, but I'm like, okay, that's another reason to go on and go see The Dark Knight in theaters. And I remember seeing it and being like, okay, cool. But sadly, it got overshadowed by the Watchmen trailer, where Sal and I just pissed ourselves laughing at Night Owl, being like, oh, man, we're seeing Batman in the pre-show. <laughs> Which I think is the exact same joke I made back during the Watchmen episode. But, uh, no, like, I saw that, and then, like, over the course of the next, like, God, less little less than a year, I, I, I ate up all the marketing materials they gave me. They gave like had, like, a tie-in like video game i went out and bought that wasn't very good but i enjoyed it for what it was bought the entertainment weekly which i'm holding in my hand and uh no i saw it in theaters i thoroughly enjoyed it uh, okay. i saw i saw the second time in theaters brought sal along as we all know sal is a hor- was a horrible horrible movie companion we saw it at the south hills movie theater Nice. (laughs) The only appropriate way to uh, see a movie, which is now closed, unfortunately. 
I'm sorry, shut down. There's a difference between closing and being shut down <laughs> by the authorities. Yeah. And uh, no, I remember like anytime he brought Sal to a movie, he had to kind of like hold your breath and be like, okay, how's he going to ruin this or complain about it? And he loved it. I remember him walking out of it and he had really no knowledge of Terminator outside of just like it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. But no, he thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's kind of the uh, the extent of the Terminator uh, Salvation context story. It's it's. I've always enjoyed this movie. I I enjoy it. Uh, it doesn't have the same like sentimental like nostalgia that the other three have for me. Mm-hmm. But like watching it, I think it's fun. I think it's very corny at certain spots. Definitely. It's not. It's not what I would have done if I was making a, a Terminator film that takes place in the apocalypse or the uh, uh, post Judgment Day. It's I I wouldn't have made this movie. But but I'm not going to judge it on that metric. But no, I thoroughly enjoy this. I I really. Outside of things that I would do differently just because I'm a fan, I have no complaints with this film. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I uh, I wouldn't say that I didn't enjoy this. I also wouldn't say that I enjoyed it. To me, it was very just down the road. Like, it existed. I thought some of the stuff in there was really, you know, kind of uh, annoying or dumb to watch. I, and I just, I really, like, I thought it was all very surface level. That's a good way for me to put it. Like, watching this movie... You know, they, they hit all the beats that I felt like these action movies needed to hit, and none of them did anything for me. Like, there's this big reveal that Sam Worthington is a cyborg, and I'm like, I thought we knew that from the beginning. I thought we always knew this. And then there's, like, the twist of the movie is Helena Bonham Carter shows up and goes, everything you thought was good is actually bad. And I'm like, that's the most basic twist ever. Like, the thing that you think was going to work isn't going to work. And I'm like, there's nothing here. There, it, I felt it lacked a lot of substance. I'll, I'll give it, it's interesting. For a Terminator 4, where do you go? Go to the machine war, absolutely. Get that loop to come full circle. Like, get him to find Kyle Reese, whatever. But I didn't think they did anything quite intriguing with it, in my eyes. What was the, oh God, what was the thing that we watched? I think it was for Cinemodies, where it's like, no, good is good. Bad is oh that was Thumb Wars right that was, was Thumb like, Wars good, yeah. is good. good is good <laughs> bad is bad we are good you are bad you'll never get away with this black helmet man you are bad you are bad and we are good your badness will be the end of you and our goodness will be our triumph bad is bad good is good bad bad good bad good good bad good bad good the power is strong in you. Ours is your silly gibberish. <laughs> good, uh, good, yeah. bad, good. Good, bad, good, bad, good, good. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, well, okay. Disclaimer. That I remember reading about this back like before the movie came out that Helen Bottom Carter was supposed to have a larger like role in this. Except like her entire family like died like on an African safari. So she oh, had man. to like, like pull out. Like they only shot like, a couple days with her. I'm not sure if she came back or it was just like, okay, we have to like make do with what we have of her right now, like what we have in the can. But mm-hmm. it was some sort of like family tragedy. And that's why like her thing cut like really curtailed and she's like relegated to like what kind of like a scene and a half. Yeah, yeah. Right at the beginning and then just a hologram at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think the hologram probably they probably went to her home and be like, Hey, can we have like half a day with you? Like sure. you don't have you don't have to come to us, we'll come to you. And that's that's the feeling I get. Um okay. No, but like, okay, the thing about this movie, and I, I, it's funny, like, I was telling Rob beforehand, like, there's been some conversations about the Terminator franchise, like, on social media, and plus I did some, like, podcast research, like, uh, just trying to get the feel of what people think of these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, we've said now is that when it comes to ranking these films, Terminator 2 is the highest, Terminator 1 is second, 
um, I don't know which is third, Genesis or Salvation, whatever it is. They're all three, four, and five are all within like a tenth of like a percentage point of each other. Okay, so they're gonna, they're almost interchangeable. Yeah, but the idea that like three is the bottom, and I again I still can't get over that. But Salvation was one of those movies, and even reading like more and more of this like Entertainment Weekly article, which I really should have done ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that like there's like rhetoric in this Entertainment Weekly article that came out the week of release or maybe the week before, who knows? And it was like, oh god, this is what it says. It's like McGee wants to show the Terminator Scissor reel that he unveiled a month earlier at Comic Con, a baptism by fire when he and the cast of the reported two hundred million dollar flick faced down a room full of six thousand fans who regarded both him and Salvation with suspicion, if not out hostility. Why the hell were they making another Terminator? Wasn't the franchise dead after 2003's jokey Terminator 3? I didn't even call Terminator 3 a lot of things. I don't even call it jokey considering that ending, but whatever. <laughs> and what on earth was it doing in the hands of a guy like McG? All fair questions, but right now McG doesn't seem worried about them. He turns out the lights and directs me to seat Eh, and directs me to a seat in front of a huge flat screen TV, pops in a DVD, cranks up the volume. It has to feel big. And the next three minutes are big. And so big that when it's over, McGee plays it again, and he says, "The old McGee is dead." <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. Like this, he's this gonna, is he's gonna become Phoenix McGee and rise from the ashes. <laughs> oh my god, this goes on more and more. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll get to more. We'll read more snippets of this because it gets weirder. Uh, we'll get to more of that in due time. But no, like, like I. I like most of what this movie's going for. I think this film suffers from a lot of the same problems that uh, Genesis will fall prey to. Okay. Christian Bale is horribly miscast as John Connor. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for him as as John Connor. Yep. He's too like put. Like, oh God, Bale comes across as an actor, somebody who knows what he wants to do. Most of the characters he plays, mm-hmm. he doesn't play a character that's like, oh, I, I don't have a firm grasp. grasp grasp on this situation and that's how you always like how john connor is always portrayed in the previous two films because it should be pointed out that it's not until genesis that continuity gets thrown out the window because Mm -hmm. at this point the events of terminator 3 have happened they're not explicitly referenced but Catherine brewster's there yeah that's a that's a good point i guess the the only thing that blatantly stood out to me that messed with continuity in this movie was that the tapes that Linda Hamilton recorded for John Connor are completely different from the tapes we hear in the first Terminator? Well, I, I said, I, who knows about that? There's probably a lot of this too. You wonder if it's legal rights. Well, yeah, creative use... definitely, yeah. But in universe, it's def. They are definitely different. Like to the tape number, they don't even get the tape number right. Well, that's that's a thing though. I don't. It's funny. I remember. Okay. Hollywood context time I remember back like five years ago When the big thing Hollywood was doing Was like rebooting things But like it was the J.J. Abrams Star Trek thing We're like oh we're rebooting the timeline But like we're not We're going to change this thing slightly Ignore the things we don't like But keep Mm -hmm. the things that people do appreciate I remember the time being like Oh this is creative laziness You're just picking and choosing what you like What you like You're cherry picking Yeah And I never liked that as a creative decision And then like over time It's came out It's come out like with the Star Trek thing that when J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot got the license to that, they had to change everything like exactly 25 percent. 
So they okay. they were so I'm thinking and considering that like nowadays when it comes to like movie rights and stuff and a lot of these properties like kind of like pinball around like different studios, like the first Terminator's Orion. Orion goes out of business. Who buys the rights? Again, Terminator 2 is like Studio Canal Plus. And then like Terminator 3 and 4, Warner Brothers. Genesis and Dark Fate are Paramount. So there's a lot of these things where it's like, okay, the reason why Catherine Brewster doesn't show up in Genesis is because she's a, a Warner Brothers character. They gotcha. own that character. When you buy the rights to Terminator, you do not get their incarnation of it. The same way, let's say after this Paramount decides, like, I don't know, I think at this point Jimmy C is the one who has the rights back. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's say if he does want, like, option them out. If somebody wanted to use the Catherine Brewster character, they'd have to go to Warner Brothers and license her out. Yep, yep, okay. I totally get that's, what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, why, and that's why I think the tapes thing, that's why, I guess, time goes on with a lot of movies where you see them, like, jump around from, like, different studios. You can't attack movies for that. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you explicitly, as in Rob, I mean the audience. Yeah. Like, yeah. when you do watch things, it's like, oh, why is it in Star Trek 2009, Spock sees the destruction of, uh, oh, God, what's it? Oh, God, what, Vulcan? His home planet? Yeah, Vulcan, right? Yeah, Vulcan. Yeah. It's like, oh, why? Like, he says he watches it from like the snow planet moon. And, but like in previous Star Trek lore, uh, Vulcan has no moons. It's like, well, because they have to change things. Like, sure. like the, legal, the legal department says you have to do these things or else it's a breach of contract and it's a lawsuit. And that's and that's what it is. And I think that's probably what it was. That's why also it's it's very obviously also an older Linda Linda Hamilton recording all this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, like you said, I was listening to the dialogue. I'm like, oh wait, it's like the exact same thing she says, but it's been like a lot of the syntax has been changed. It's like, a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. Someone pulled out the thesaurus too. It's like, okay, we got to change words. And that's what I think it is. I think that's. I think if they probably could just think about it, why would you change that? That'd be the easiest thing in the world. You just pull the audio. Yeah, like, exactly. Like we're gonna do it right now. We're gonna play the original Terminator audio, and we're gonna play the Salvation audio. Tape seven, November ten. Where was I? What's most difficult for me is trying to decide what to tell you and what not to. But I guess I have a while yet before you're old enough to even understand these tapes. They're more for me at this point, just so that I can get it straight. Should I tell you about your father? Boy, that's a tough one. Will it affect your decision to send him here, knowing that he is your father? If you don't send Kyle, you can never be. God, a person could go crazy thinking about this. I suppose I will tell you. I owe him that. Maybe it'll help if you know that in the few hours that we had together, we loved a lifetime's worth. This is tape number 28 of Sarah Connor to my son John. What's most difficult for me is trying to decide what to tell you and what not to. Should I tell you about your father? Will it affect your decision to send him back in time to protect me, knowing that he is your father? And he'll be younger than you, only a teenager, when you meet him. God, a person could go crazy thinking about this. But if you don't send Kyle, you can never be, and Skynet will win the war. 
it's not that hard to do. So, like, why wouldn't they do that? And when you think about that, it's like, oh, there probably was something. I think, but why would you pay Linda Hamilton probably at least a six-figure salary to record, like, oh, God, 30 seconds worth of lines? Yeah. Why would you do that unless you have to? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I buy that for sure. Uh, it was just, you know, as I'm watching all these in a row, I was like bummed out about that, I guess. But I totally hear what you're saying that it had to be some, you know, pressure of legalities or uh, rights and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I've always enjoyed this. I This is why we're also combining this with Genesis, because I don't think I have a lot to say about either one of these movies. Okay. In the sense of like compared to like one, two and three. I've always I think I really do enjoy. I love the Marcus Wright character. I absolutely love that as a character, the idea of a cyborg man that doesn't know he's a cyborg man, and he wants some form of redemption. I know it's not fleshed out as well as it could be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I know like you have like what, like it's it's all said through dialogue, like, oh, I tell it to my brother and the two cops that we killed. Yeah. And he gets uh uh God put to death. And it's like okay, and then he like he stumbles out of the hole, and he like does like a like a war cry scre- scream. But I've always loved the aesthetic of him like toward the end of the movie, uh, after like he saves John Connor from the Water Terminator, mm-hmm. and I love like like half of his face is like gone, and like when he goes into Skynet, and like he's all torn up and exposed. I love that just as an aesthetic. And I think even though Sam Worthington is, I think at best a mediocre actor. Mm-hmm. I think he does the best he can with this material at, with, well, In the sense of like a script And the, oh god, the bounds Of his acting prowess yeah. I, I've, ne- I've never had pro- like In the, oh god, lineup Of Terminator characters It's rather limited, we have what uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger The guy from the first one that goes into The, the bunker and, and wipes them all out mm-hmm. uh, Oh god, Robert Patrick Kristana Loken yep. And then we get more to Genesis, I think outside of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sam Worthington is probably the best like conflicted Terminator perform. I, or I guess not even want to say conflicted, probably the best Terminator performance outside of Arnold in these movies. Yeah, I thought he was he was fine. You know, I didn't have any issue with him. Um, so yeah, I I've, I haven't really had an issue with him in in anything. You know, it's more of the the stuff he chooses to do. I have an issue with. He's just a pain. Like, the thing is that like he's a video game avatar. He's yeah. so blank. You can plug in almost any element you need, and he's able to just be like, okay, he's a disabled veteran that's going to uh, Pandora's box to get legs. Okay, all right, it's uh, ancient Greek mythology. He's, what was he, uh, Perseus? It's like, okay, he has, so, yeah. he has to go on a quest to like defeat the gods. Okay, whatever. And I know he did one movie, which to this day has maybe the greatest title in cinematic history. Quote, Man on a Ledge. Where all it is is him sitting on a ledge for two hours. And I'm like, maybe every movie in Hollywood should be titled just based off a vague description of the plot. It's like, what happens in Titanic? People fall in love. Okay. Do, uh, let's just call it that. Forget Titanic. Just call it people fall in love on boat. Okay. Sold. Man on a ledge is even worse than like phone booth. Like, what's the premise of phone booth? He's in a phone booth the whole time. <laughs> That's what you do. Every single movie, much like how I think every movie sequel should follow the Die Hard model, every movie title that's not Die Hard should have that. Just just call it like a, like a five word description of what the movie is. Like it's like a yeah. micro elevator pitch. Yes, I love it. Yep. <laughs> uh, but okay, getting back to Terminator Salvation. I, I don't like Christian Bale's John Connor, not because of anything that Bale's doing. It's just he's doing his shtick, mm. and it's not why 
think of as John Connor. I think you need a little bit more. Just that's the thing too about this movie is that a lot of people complain about the fact that like, oh, it's a it's a big departure from the Jimmy C like purple, black, and blue future where it's just these it was like the chrome robots. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, Terminators. Yeah, and I think probably another reason why is they probably couldn't do that. Unless oh, you absolutely. unless you paid or you did something again, it's an issue that you can do anything you want in today's day and age. It's just a matter of how many checks you're willing to write. I think that's probably the reason why they went more with a what brown aesthetic, as opposed to like that that overcast or not. I don't even want to say overcast, but that like blacked out sky with purple hues. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yep, yeah. and I, I think, think you know a big part of this movie was that it's like. The the continuing like hope for humanity. At least I got that with the whole Kyle Reese thing, where he's not really the soldier yet and has to come into his own in that aspect. So like the color being a little more, you know, or different at least makes some sense to me. Yeah, and that's the vibe too. Because you can also explain it too is that this movie, much like Genesis, was always envisioned as a trilogy, mm-hmm. and I think that's what this was. This is supposed to be like the first one against. This is going to be their I think their Star Wars. This was a New Hope. The second one was going to be The Empire Strikes Back where all hell breaks breaks loose. Yep. And then the third one was going to be, okay, probably ending with something like what Genesis begins with, where it's them going back in time. Where it's like, okay, we have to get into Skynet, but we have to like beat them before they turn on the time machine. Mm-hmm. That's probably what the third one was going to be. Yeah, it's, I the, that. it's them. It's That's their equivalent of blowing up the Death Star for the final one. Yeah. So... Yeah, so I, could, I could see that though. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard has nothing to do; she's just kind of here. Yep. I want to. I want to mention Common. Common yes. has nothing to do, right? As Barnes, his <laughs> name. I swear, his name is said as many times as both Kyle Reese and John Connor. It's like, where's Barnes? <laughs> Bar. It's like Barnes. Your brothers didn't make it. I'm like, yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a few points in this movie they were saying Barnes, and I was like, "Who? Who is that?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's common. Okay, it's common." <laughs> and I was like, "When are they going to give him a gun with a silencer and he can shoot in a busy mall?" <laughs> well, he has the best moment I think in the entire movie that's not Terminator related, okay. where a uh, woman saves Sam Worthington, and it's like, "What about woman?" She made her choice, and he fires a rocket oh. launcher down the thing. Yeah, that's right. That's good. <laughs> I, I love that. It's like, oh, this person that like I've known for years and our struggle against the machines, like the ultimate enemy, she makes a bad choice. And it's like, well, she did. I love <laughs> yeah. that. And the way he delivers it, it's like, okay. Like in co- comments, like I, I haven't seen him do a lot of acting stuff, but like he sells it. And like, you, like and I would imagine too, that's what this movie was too, was setting up a lot of characters yeah four sequels but it's like oh man you wish you could they could maybe dialed the again the setup of things back a little bit just giving your current characters a little bit more to do yeah exactly that's that's what i was hoping more for as we got through the movie you know it was it was almost like you know i when they were jumping back between like the john connor and the, the kyle reese stuff it was like okay come on like let's do something and then they finally do meet up but yeah i thought there were a lot of characters that were very shallow in this yeah, and I'm not even sure because I, I, I found this out today. Is that did you know Terry Crews is in this movie? Oh God, no, I did not. <laughs> he, okay, when John Connor, like in the very beginning of the film, is crawling out of like the hole where they're doing like the medical like experiments. Okay, and he gets up there, and like the camera pans over to a dead sh- uh, soldier. 
That's uh, Terry Crews. Right on, right on. And I wonder, was that supposed to be Common's brother? Oh, that makes sense. There you go. That you think about, like, what you know, in two thousand nine, who the hell was Terry Crews? At that point, I think he was probably more known as like the new Old Spice guy. Mm-hmm. If that was, if that even had started by that point, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I could, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, well, I guess it, like Terry Crews kind of exploded with white chicks, but again, that was years even prior to that to uh, Salvation. And but, now he's on his greatest role ever as the host of America's Got Talent. <laughs> I like the woman character. I know her name, uh, her the actress's name, because I think it's fun. Her name is like Moon Bloodgood. Moon Bloodgood. I'm glad because if you didn't bring this up, I was going to bring this up because I, I had, I think I had recognized this actor when she comes on screen. Like what her she get she gets caught in the parachute or whatever, mm-hmm. and and I was just like confused as all hell <laughs> because in one scene. She's like taking her clothes off and she starts just staring at Sam Worthington and she's like, we're going to fuck, right? And he's like, I'm a, I'm a cyborg. I don't do that. And, and then she's like all upset that they're, that they're not fucking. And then I'm like, and I'm like, is there an implication that like any people, like, is, is that the state of the world that like if two like reproductive adults are together that they're going to like try and fuck to continue the species? And because it, it was so weird to me. And then the next scene is her almost getting raped. And I was like, what? Like what whiplash is this? So I looked her. I looked her up because I was so confused. And I, then I see your name's Moon Bloodgood, and I'm like, okay, I I just don't think McGee knows what he's doing. <laughs> There's so many quotable lines. Like somebody has like on the DVD box art. There are so many things here that need to be put on the box art to this movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> All right. Uh, the scene that you're referencing is cut. Was cut out of the theatrical release. Oh, I forgot in, to mention. Yes, this is one of the, in, the. It's a director's cut moment. Yes, and one of the real ones I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this is only one of two director's cuts that Rob has. That's actually that. Yeah, I I've only watched that cut of the movie once, and I'm like, I don't remember it. Like Rob's referencing this scene. I have like a very vague idea that happens. Because I know, like, in the theatrical cut, it shows her, like, taking off her top. Then, like, it's a hard cut to the guys, like, attempting to rape her. And it's like, that's jarring. And I guess they took out the sensual aspect of it all. Because I know the scene scene after they confront, like, the rapist is there where, like, she, like, like, snuggles up to him. He's like, she's like, calm down. Like, I only want a hug, like, to stay Mm -hmm. warm. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I, that's, that's where it is. And it's very, you could tell that was a, uh market research focus group thing because like it is just it's so like you can tell ripped out of the movie okay yeah because it yeah the way you're describing it is does sound jarring but this was definitely jarring <laughs> That's, it, it's, it got I, yeah. so it got so like intimate like you know the cameras on their faces and and she's she's doing a good job and sam worthington's just like i'm a cyborg like that's clear at this point in the movie and then it's like goes on for so long, like long enough for me to write the note, like about humans just trying to fuck any chance they can get, because like they're gonna die out. And then it just went totally left field. And then her name's Moon. Moon, it's great. Moon blood, good. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot about yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, that's that's a scene. It's jarring how it's edited because again, it really is like she takes she takes off her top and it's like done from like a distance and it's silhouette. You can like see like. 
you can see her from the waist up pretty good in the sense of like all her curves and all that. And the very next shot is so, like her like putting her top back on, and like she hears a noise and she turns around. And it's like wait, what? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like, like like what did I miss? Like clearly there was something here that's supposed to be here, and like you said, clearly they chose between a awkward moment. Or jarring editing, and clearly yeah. jarring editing was the uh, best choice. <laughs> Fantastic, but yeah, no, like I, I like her as a character, like I, in the sense of like just like filling out this universe with new characters. Mm-hmm. I have no complaints with her. I think I, everybody in this movie is doing their job. I don't think there's any performance that's like bad. I think it's either the, the direction is horrible, or the story and or script is horrible. Yeah, not, not yeah. horrible. Not even horrible. Subpar. Okay, okay. I, yeah, it's not I think, horrible. I think shallow is the way I would put it. There's no sub, no real substance to this movie for me. Well, it's 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 like a lot of what Hollywood would. It's funny. A lot of what Hollywood would do in the coming years was present in this movie, where it was the idea like, okay, we we're doing a trilogy. Let's just set up the set up the stuff. Let's do lay all the pieces mm-hmm. out. Then the second one will be the really interesting one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, they're, they're, remember, they're banking on the success of the first one so hard that it takes away from it. Years, I think, years after the fact. Now that we're watching it, it's like, because I'm with you. I see all this stuff, and it makes sense. And it's like, bummer. Why couldn't they just make a movie? Yeah, I think again, it's that same. Like, everybody forgets that, like, the same thing that's happening right now with Marvel happened back, like, in the mid. Oh god, the late 2000s, early 2010s With The Dark Knight Where it was like, okay, our first film is the origin story Our second film is where things get dark It's mm-hmm. the dark sequel yeah. And I and that was That was what they were going for with this Was that the, the dark sequels Where everything was going to kind of go to hell Where they were probably going to lose all of their like Air superiority they were, And then it becomes kind of like the Oh god, what? The trucks with the, the, the no windshields that that was probably gonna be your future sure. for the second movie, or at least halfway through the second movie, going into the third movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. That's the vibe I get at least, because that's kind of okay. one of those. It's it's you have to look at a lot of these blockbusters with the context of like what was going on at Hollywood at the time. Yeah, and, and they're all chasing each other. Like 10, 15 years from now, people are gonna look back and be like, "Oh, why did Universal create a mummy movie with Tom Cruise that kind of doesn't do anything but spin its wheels for two hours?" Mm-hmm. Well, it was the time of Marvel; everything had to be a cinematic universe. Yeah, yep, that's a good point. Yeah, and they were trying and, to grow something, and this was the yeah. first seed that never took off. Yep. Yeah, it's the idea of you need the trilogy. The first one's the origin story. The second one is the doom and gloom, and the third one is like the br- ends on the bright. Like, like you know what? Like the the battle had heavy. Toll but you know what we won and that's where you're introducing all your characters i would imagine like then after like marcus wright is gone at the end of this movie you probably have moon blood good be a bigger character you have common be a bigger character uh uh catherine brewster would sit there have her her kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know the other what no other main characters really besides them right well, I, I have to mention because it's later in my notes oh i do have to mention kyle reese but i love the fact that even though we lose Arnold like in a big role in this movie, and what only his digital face is what we get to see, even though we lose Arnold, we gain Richter from Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, Michael Michael Ironside is doing like the greatest Michael Ironside like role ever. It's yes. just barking. That's all it is. Oh, I love the scene where they're in the fucking. They're in a submarine. That's of where headquarters is a submarine. And John Connor somehow gets in this this underwater submarine, and 
they're just he's like Michael Ironside. What? How did our mission go? And Michael Ironside's like that's on a need to know basis. And so of course John Connor's like I'm John Connor. I'm the best person there is. And Michael Ironside just pulls a gun to his head and he's like I can rewrite the future. <laughs> I don't believe in prophecy. Not when one can rewrite the future in a heartbeat. Are we on the same page? Yeah. We're on the same page. And I'm like, oh shit, this took oh, you, this oh, you, escalated. You have, oh, that doesn't happen in my cut. Really? Oh, yeah, no. yeah. Michael Ironside holds a gun to, to Christian Bale's head and is like, I can rewrite the future. Like, you're not the the best part of this resistance or something like that. Oh, because that would tie into like the what the the opening crawl of like a lot of people like consider him like a god, uh, not god, but like a prophet. A and prophet. But some people see him as like a false prophet. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That would tie in. Cause, okay, I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, they want another like opening text crawl, like the first Terminator. Oh, interesting. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that was another really jarring scene, so it makes sense that they, they, they cut, cut that, that out. out. Yeah. Well, apparently, I don't even know if they cut it out, is that they apparently submitted it, because the cut you watched is rated R. Yeah, I did I did read that, that uh, apparently the extra four minutes in my version ups well, the rating. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, whatever. The, okay, that's, okay, I, okay, where do you want to go? Because there's one very specific thing I find amusing about this movie. Um, I, lo- I, okay, I, oh, I guess I should. I, I, I've always really liked Anton Yelchin, so he was great. I thought he was fine, and maybe not great, but fine in this movie. But I think we've been saying that with the performances. Um, I think in terms of other characters, the only one I wanted to mention was that the Terminators have a Jaeger. That attacks that oh. like Seven Eleven or something. It <laughs> has a, like it what? has a, it has a name, Rob. The T Jaeger. No. <laughs> the term it's called like the T Harvester. Oh, okay. It's actually called, in Terminator Canon. If if, there, if if it's not broken and contorted at this point, yeah, it's called the T. I think it's the T Harvester or just the Harvester. Okay. Okay. And I love the, the noises it makes. It did. It did make some good noises. Um, the one one of the things that I was confused about though was it shows up, it captures people, like it shows that it's picking up humans and putting them in this little like containment thing attached to it that it is open, like it's a cage, like there's holes sure. in it, so so air can get through. And then as as like the people, uh, what's um, Anton Yelchin and Sam Worthington are trying to leave or get away from the Jaeger. They cause like this giant gas explosion yep. to, to try and stop it. And I'm like, so they just killed Kyle Reese, right? Because Kyle Reese is in the Jaeger at that point. Or they killed all the no. people at least in the Jaeger. Well, yeah. yeah. And so I, they, but they never like addressed that. <laughs> it's not, I don't know. Okay. Ugh, this is a weird one because I don't think the movie's meant to be looked at this way. Sure. Because there is like the giant hunter killer that's storing all of them. I don't know, like, I, this giant hunter-killer has, I'm sorry, the, the the Harvester Jaeger has the ability to store humans. It seems like it's just there. Like, I don't know, a lot of that seems like, okay, it's a cool idea. It's not very practical, because a lot of this movie, like, the Terminators, like, why would the Terminators have a facility where, like, people have to, like, have touchscreens? Yes. Like, yeah. it's like, like, robots wouldn't design touchscreens, because they wouldn't need that, because they would 
it's it's code. It's like it be it would send commands. It's like none of this makes sense. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Especially that yeah. John Connor has like a little like motorcycle one that he hacks into that he uses to like access a touchscreen inside like the R and D department. It's like yeah. this doesn't make any sense. But it's it's not meant to be looked at that way. So like yeah, I don't I, yeah. I don't mean to like ever again. I don't want to scrutinize it that way. Even though that's what we did for Terminator Two when it came to like what was the door? It's like Cyberdyne. No, that's like, fair. That's fair. I do. I do have to say, I like that they call them in the movie Moto Terminators. <laughs> well, that's another thing too. Is that like again, very clever on a visual level. It's like okay, they're trying to escape the Seven Eleven, and we should point out there were Slurpee cups in May of two thousand nine. You could buy with Terminator logos on them. They escape, and I love. And I think it's a pretty cool action sequence. Like that's one thing too. The action in this movie is pretty solid for for the most part. And they blow it up, but they, 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 what, they have the giant oil tanker, they drive it into this thing, it knocks it down, they shoot at it, they light the flare, the flare, it blows up, and then as they're trying to escape, the thing launches two little motorcycle terminators at its ankles, and at one point, like, they sit there, like, what, the... They flip like they drive into a car and it flips over the giant like Mad Max vehicle. And, oh yes, I guess the, I should say thing, that the thing slides under it. It's like oh, like that's like on a visual level that yeah. I love that. Yeah, that that as Zach knows, which I don't think I get to say enough on this podcast. If you have a vehicle with a cow catcher on the front of it, you get a thumbs up from me, and that's exactly what they did in this action scene. So I'm, I was totally <laughs> on board with it. <laughs> I feel like there's a story there, but we're gonna have to save that for another day. It's, uh, I don't know if it's a story. It's just what I want on my vehicle. Oh, <laughs> in yeah. real life. I, okay, okay, folks. I sh- you know what? I should have seen that coming because if you know Rob, you'll know that's actually something that he's, he has wanted for at least 10 years now. Yep, yep. They they keep uh, they won't let me pass inspection out here in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Terminator motorcycles. I like that. I've always liked that sequence. I think it's great. I love how they have the little like much like Terminator Three. They had the little like what ball at the end of the chain. Yeah. And they wrap they wrap the little motorcycle Terminator in it, and at one point they like break hard on a bridge and it actually becomes airborne and locks around one of the like repulsor. Like things of the hunter yep. killer, and it, like that's neat. Like I, I think that like if you're doing action, and that's another thing when it comes to Terminator Salvation, I think a lot of people just get so hung up on the fact of like, oh, like oh god, uh, Sam Worthington is horrible, John Connor isn't that good, McGee is stupid, and we lose sight of the fact like, we have some really good action sequences in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they didn't uh, bother me. Um, I was. That was the stuff I was more, like, intrigued in. It was like, you know, yeah, I definitely had the sense where a lot of the movie, I was like, Kyle Reese is going to live, right? So where's the tension? But it's still, it's interesting. Like, some of the choreography of the action was very interesting to watch. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's an action-adventure movie. I think a lot of people get caught up. It's this weird thing that happened with Marvel for the longest time where it became a thing like, oh, the Marvel movies are stupid because there's no life-or-death stakes. And I'm like, is that how you judge a movie? It's like, do you go to movies like just hoping the characters die, and when and if they don't die at the end of the movie, you don't like it? Like, I've always found like a weird metric that like characters need to die for the be stakes. Half the fun of movies is like watching the characters get stuck in a scenario and then watching them dig their way out. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that as a metric, and it's sad to see that even like Marvel fell prey to that with, with Avengers Endgame, where like we have to kill characters to give a story weight. Sure, and that's why, like something like Terminator Salvation, I I, I don't want to say I'm I, I I think I enjoy like I don't want to say I love it, but I've always enjoyed it because again I think the action is cool. 
it's stuff that I have not seen, like you know, a Terminator robot that can sit there, or a motorcycle that can kind of move the way it does in a Mad Max world. And then, like, all, all, all think about that action sequence begins with them in the 7 Eleven. It goes all the way to the bridge. It goes then all the way to like Marcus Wright, like jumping on top of it. He gets caught by the harvester that's like somehow like goes inside it like a term, uh, transformer. It grabs him and like slams him into it. And then we have like the warthog hunter killer chase through like the canyons of California. And like that action sequence has to go on for like what 10 minutes? Oh, yeah, it's it's lengthy. And it's really cool because like it's always it's unfolding and all the character and story beats converge at that moment. We have we introduced the Moonblood Bloodgood character. We have the Sam Worthington, Kyle Reese stuff, and we have John Connor. Mm-hmm. It's all like you have what at that point two different stories. They become interlaced and then they sprout out again, and then we have three different stories. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's an aspect of this that, like, imagine if a Marvel movie did that. Imagine if we went in with having two plot threads in a Marvel movie, and at one point they all con- the two of them converge, and a third one pops out of it. And it's all done rather seamlessly. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think about it that way, but no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's again, this is another one of those movies that like we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Again, mm-hmm. we're so hung up on the nostalgia of Arnold's not in it. It's stupid. And I'm like, I, it's, I, for a podcast I was listening to today, the kind they, I, I listened to their Terminator Genesis episode, and like any good Terminator discussion, you have to talk about all the movies. You can't just talk about one. And they were talking about Salvation, and the guy, like, and whoever it was, three guys, they all sound the same. You could never really tell which one was which. <laughs> and they're like, well, and they asked the one guy, like, what'd you think of Salvation? He's like, I saw it when it came out, but it was a lot like stepping in dog crap. Like I scraped it off my shoe. I don't remember what it smelled like though, but I know it happened. And I'm like, this movie's not that. Like, yeah, I don't definitely. Care. Yeah, I this... would not describe it that harshly. Yeah, that's crazy. And yet, the entire argument again boils down to is that Terminator Two is the greatest film of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if that, I, I, again, why are you going to see movie sequels if you've already decided that a prior installment is the best one, yeah. and no matter what they do, they're never going to be able to top it? Yeah, why exactly. are you going to see it? Like, you yeah, know you're exactly. not going to like it going in. What's the point? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And, that's, and that's what bothers me. It's like, if you don't like, like, Rob, like, obviously Rob's not too thrilled about this. But it's not, his opinion isn't founded in Terminator 2 is the best film ever. Definitely not, yeah. And, I, again, because it's not a lot. Like, okay, I'm trying to think of other things. Anything else you want to talk about this? Because the only other thing I really want to highlight is the Skynet base makes no sense. Like period, and I love Kyle Reese's little 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 friend, a little black girl with uh, the afro in the hat. Oh, the uh, who, who the, doesn't the talk one or something? Yeah, who does? Her name is Star, and, I, and my favorite scene in the entire film is. Uh, oh, actually, there's a couple of my favorite scenes with her. I love. There's one point where John Connor at the end has a vac or opened all the holding cells. Yet somehow it didn't open John or uh, didn't open Kyle Reese's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even even though Sam Worthington unlocks that information. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that and didn't make any sense to me either. Didn't make any sense. And when Christian Bale is going throughout the base, he's like stopping every guy like under twenty. He's like Kyle Reese, Kyle Reese. I guess we should point out that Christian Bale is doing the Batman voice throughout the entire movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. How could we? 
it's almost like it was assumed knowledge, but yes, we should mention it. If you've never we, seen this movie, just imagine that. <laughs> essentially, I mean, that might be another one to do. We have to do a comparison: Christian Bale in Terminator and Christian Bale in Batman. Try to figure out which. I'll have to pick scenes from both movies where you, they could fit either way. Yeah, I'm but thinking you, of, there's that scene where what in in Dark Knight where he's looking for the Joker. And he's like, where is yeah. he? He's like, where is he? And he's like, nobody knows this dude. He's like, he must have friends. Where is he? I don't know where, where he is. He found us. He must have friends. Friends. Hmm. This guy. Someone knows where he is. And this same scene where he's like, where's Kyle Reese? Kyle Reese. He must have friends. <laughs> it really is. Because like, I know at one point, oh, I'm trying to think. Like, Oh, God, he goes, um. At the very end with Kyle Reese, where he's like, wait, 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 I'm not going to leave you. You're not. It's like, who are you? I'm Batman. <laughs> it's like, I, that's why I expected him to say, like, this is like, I'm John Connor. Where are you going? I gotta end this. No, no, I'm not going to leave you. You didn't. Who are you? John Connor. Just say, I'm Batman. It yeah. doesn't matter at this point. I'm Bat Connor. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to him, like, searching for Kyle Reese in the R&D department, I love how we have Star there, and she's just standing there. And for some reason, she's just standing there. She doesn't know who John Connor is. And he goes there, he points her and goes, You! Move! Yeah. And the scene cuts, and I'm like, God damn, that's a great Razzie moment. <laughs> like, how did the Razzies not give that to him? Like, we have to look up, like, who were, like who was nominated in 2009. But, like, why was that there? Why would you write that in the script? And if it wasn't in the script, why did you feel compelled to film it? Yeah. And if all those things happened, why did you feel forced to put it in the final cut? I think, uh, I think that's where um, part of Christian Bale's... Uh, on-set explosion <laughs> bled into this actual film. Because... He probably was in. They probably just edited like the little girl standing there looking scared with <laughs> Christian Bale yelling at the what the lighting guy, right? <laughs> okay. Do you want to explain the story behind that? Because I feel that story might actually outlive this movie. <laughs> so my first note under my notes for Terminator Salvation, I say, of course, never seeing this movie. The only thing I know about it is Christian Bale's behind-the-scenes explosion, and in the same note, in all caps. I write, our professional relationship is over. <laughs> so, I, Zach might know some of the finer details, but it leaked, audio leaked on somewhere, I think I saw it on YouTube way back in the day, um, that during the filming of this movie, Christian Bale absolutely exploded at a crew member for walking on scene during a shot. And it exploded because it is one of the most, like, childish cringiest encounters or in, in interactions between humans that I think I've ever heard because Christian Bale is just angry and everybody knows if you ever gotten insanely angry you don't make sense you just repeat the things and, and that's making you angry and you're and you're just threatening people and so you know he's he's yelling at this lighting guy our professional relationship is over He's he's like, why were you walking on set? Oh, to check the lights, to check the fucking lights. We have to put some clips in because it's so good, I think. I want you off the fucking set, you prick. Sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. The, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. McGee, you have fucking something to say to this prick? I didn't see it happen. Well, somebody should be fucking watching. 
and keeping an eye on him. This is the second time that he doesn't give a fuck about what is going on in front of the camera. All right? I'm trying to fucking do a scene here and I'm going, why the fuck is Shane walking in there? What is he doing there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? I want to fucking kick your fucking ass. You know, shut up for a second, all right? I'm going to go, do you want me to go fucking trash your lights? Do you want me to fucking trash them? Then why are you trashing my scene? You are trashing my scene. You do it one more fucking time. And I ain't walking on this set if you're still hired. I'm fucking serious. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. But I don't fucking cut it when you're bullshitting and fucking around like this on set. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about with this is this gained some popularity. I remember hearing about it when it was created. But it's the... Oh... Oh, I don't remember. What is it? Velo Motions or whatever? The the auto-tune remix of Christian Bale's Explosion <laughs> that also gets mixed in with some, like, other celebrity explosions. So I think it's a very interesting um, way to play with it. So was there anything more to the story that came out later on? Or is it really just I, Christian Bale got mad and it leaked somehow? I've never understood, like, why this, like exploded in popularity like i never i didn't really even know about this i think until like when the movie came out or maybe like the entertainment weekly article i i, I was never again i was never a huge social media person growing up like of course i had the things like your myspace your facebook's mm-hmm. but i was never like clued in at that point in my life to like hearing about things like that like in the, the hollywood industry whereas now it'd be inescapable to, like if something like that ever happened yeah um i, I you know more about it than i do at this oh, point, okay. I, I've okay. never like, I've, I've known about it as like a footnote in history With this movie, and like I said Sadly, it'll probably, that legacy Will outlive the movie itself Yeah, I've never I've never been bothered by it It's like I, I've always tried to figure out, watching the film What sequence it was they were filming mm-hmm. The only one I've always guessed that it's the sequence Where uh, he's yelling at Michael Ironside Through the, the communication device It's oh. like, if we, if we don't stop The bombing of Skynet, we're dead we're all dead. I've always assumed it was that. Okay, okay. I don't know for certain though. I, it yeah, prob- yeah. Prob- it probably is on record somewhere what moment he was doing this in. But I that's always been my biggest question is that what mo- like, they're always like, oh, like he did this during a very tense like sequence in the movie. I'm like, it's a Terminator movie. What tense is there? Like, unless it was something physical. Unless like they were having him do a stunt where mm-hmm. maybe he's thrown himself off the side of like, I don't know, a story drop. Like one or two or three times, and he's just kind of like fatigued at that point. Yeah, but like, but again, like Christian Bale's always been known as like kind of like an a hole in person. Mm-hmm. So it's not too surprising that like on a movie he doesn't really want to be working on something that he considers like below him. He's only doing it for a paycheck. I could see him getting mad or just being very easily like it wouldn't be hard to light his fuse. Okay, okay, but yeah, I yeah have, I- I've never been bothered by that. I know some people find that absolutely fascinating. I've never been one of those people. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I love it. I think uh, we've discussed to some extent. <laughs> I love when people get like stupidly emotional. Like it's very interesting to watch um, things like that. So it's always been intriguing to me, especially because the it ends like it's the the YouTube or the leaked audio. I guess I should say is like about three minutes long. I think, and the way it ends is with like constant screaming. And then it gets to a point where I think McGee or whoever's on set is like, let's take five and do it again. And Christian Bale's like, no, no, we're going to keep going. 
And then it like dies down a little bit. And then he screams, our professional relationship is over. Fucking ass. And that's how it ends type of thing. And I've always loved the way that it just kind of, it just kind of dies down. And then there's one spike to carry us out. Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally. Fucking ass. And and like I said, so what we, if we haven't already, we'll get some clips into that. It is Revolution's remix, which he actually called Bail Out. That's the name of it. <laughs> and it is a true testament to fantastic sound editing. We'll have to get some of that in here. And it might come back later in reverse. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good old Christian Bale. Do you want me to go fucking trash your lights? Do you want me to fucking trash them? Fuck! So I definitely wanted to mention that, and I think the only other thing I wanted to mention about this was, did you notice when Sam Worthington is being uh, captured, when he is captured by the humans, and it's revealed that he's a cyborg, to nobody's surprise, um, he says, I'm not a cyborg, I am human, I was born on August 22nd. He's only he's a week after Ben Affleck's birthday. I groaned. They missed a great opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) They missed a great opportunity to tie it all together. Exactly. So did you have anything else to say about the Skynet base? Was that the only thing we. Yes. I've always been bothered. Not bothered. That's not the right word. I've always found it amusing that. okay, Sam Worthington, Marcus Wright, like walks up to the front gate, the sentry like outside and again, they do a pretty good job of what like Skynet Central is supposed to look like, or at least the Terminator 2 3D version of what it's supposed to look like, where it's just like a giant like pyramid. Okay. I've always liked that the idea, like not that you have to scale it, but you have to kind of like walk up it. And I've, I've liked the Century 2 in the moment, like it, it knows who he is and just automatically doesn't shoot out, like shoot him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. He's he's allowed in. He's he, he's part of the club. He gets in. And they have like a terminal for him where he puts his hand on it and somehow through like fingerprint touch, it communicates information to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm like, did Skynet really? And plus it's like an all white room. Why would Skynet? And I get it. It's for aesthetic reasons. It's there for it's It's to communicate to the dummies in the audience. I get it. But why would Skynet have like Skynet should just be like a giant room of servers with like a manufacturing like warehouse. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you. <laughs> and it would look. It would look. I know. Obviously, when they were making this film, is again ten years later, but it would have more in common Skynet Central of like an Amazon like fulfillment warehouse, <laughs> where you would sit there have a bunch of things just running around either on guided tracks or little sensors in the floor. 
Yeah. Than you would anything else. Yeah, and people in cages on the sides in terrible <laughs> living conditions. It, oh, it's cool. truly prophetic. <laughs> but up, but but up, but but. There's your daily dose of satire, folks. Uh, oh boy. Uh, but no, so like that's always kind of like bothered me. The idea, like, then you have like, oh god, when John Connor goes in. And somehow Sam Worthington is a transmitting device. Like he just now is discovering that he's a Terminator. Mm. And yet he has the ability to like wirelessly communicate to John Connor through like an iPad before iPads were a thing. I won't point out there were iPads were not a thing yet when this movie was being made. Okay. And I'm like, how is this possible? Like there's no cell towers. How is like how is he transmitting this? And I would imagine I I get it. Skynet in a way is allowing this all to happen to lure John Connor in. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like I just I'm like, okay, whatever. And then you look at when John Connor goes in there, and a lot of this can be explained with the idea that Skynet is luring him in, but so much of like the tech in Skynet is being designed with like people walking around. Sure. And this is the thing that, and okay, there's things, small things too. Like when Marcus Wright like picks up where it's like, uh, oh God, Helen the Bomb Carter says something. And I do like this sequence in the movie. I love it where she's like, the human condition no longer applies to you. And he rips the chip out of his head. And he goes, I'm better this way. Like it makes, it almost makes no sense. Yeah. Where it's like, <laughs> like better than what? It's like, you really had complete control the entire time. Like I yeah, know, exactly. I know that he was being controlled to go back to Skynet Central, but like him stumbling into Kyle Reese was all, like practically an accident. Like that was never mm-hmm. like did, did did Skynet know where he was? I it's like again whatever who cares? Yeah, exactly. But I find and again I like the line like I. I'm better off this way. You know, it makes no sense in the context of the movie. But then he picks up like a stool and throws it through the glass monitor. And I'm like, why would Skynet need a glass monitor? Why would Skynet need a stool? I so I took that to just be they wanted to to reference the um Apple 1984 commercial where they throw well, the sledgehammer yes. through the thing. And yes, I was like, exactly. oh God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a throwback to like the idea of like machines controlling the world. Yeah. I get it. But it's like why would like of all the things in that room, like there's a little like oh god, like an arm that's there to obviously like rebuild him. It's like why not have him rip that out and throw it in, like throw it into the mm-hmm. glass. There's so many things you can why a stool? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> But I also, like I said, and John Connor going through, like, them having touchscreens, them having, like, all this walk-around area stuff, that that doesn't make any sense. It's, again, it should look like an Amazon warehouse. There shouldn't be that mm-hmm. much, like, walking around room. But the thing I've, I, you know, I like to, or I've always dug it, was when they're all being ushered out of, like, the giant hunter-killers into the facility, and that's where we do get your more, like, blue, like, dark hues that are more, like, Terminator 1 and 2-esque. Sure. And you have, like, the... You have the, oh god, the rubber skin Terminators, which I do like. I like them early on. Well, the one we see very early in the film Mm -hmm. that tries to kill Sam Worthington and Kyle Reese. And then when they're, they're guarding the tops of, like, the railings... I always just like, I can kind of like this really like rubbery skin with the glowing red eyes. I, as an aesthetic, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they look like they're done with practical effects. Because this, yeah. was, this was Stan Winston's last film. 
Yep. Oh, I, I, okay. I, I remember reading that before this film came out that he died during the production of this. And in a weird way, I've always wondered, like going to the thing of like practical effects versus like CG, everything now CGI. They don't they don't build anything physically unless they're deliberately trying to impress people in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered that, like, if it weren't for Stan Winston dying, I wonder if practical effects would have played a much more prevalent role in the industry for the for for the as many years. I think Stan Winston only died like when I think in, like in either I think his sixties. So he probably could have lived another 10, 15 years, not saying that he would have worked up until the day he died. Sure. But it's the idea that, like, people like Rick Baker, like, God, monster makeup, he kind of just, like, gave up because it was like, they don't need me anymore. Yeah, yeah, and it's a bummer. That's an interesting question, though. And that's why I've always wondered. Like, maybe if somebody like Stan Winston, that, like, everybody kind of worshipped in Hollywood, was alive, they not that they would have felt, like, oh, God, guilty or... For not wanting to employ him But someone like him, like a visionary Would have been like, oh This is my industry, I'm going To show you how much Like, even though, yes, CGI Effects can be very good But there is something lost Like, Mm -hmm. there's two scenes between, like, Terminator Salvation and Genesis Where, uh, this is another one of those comical scenes Where, for some reason, John Connor Is trying to open up two doors And then, like, he hears a Terminator Coming, but with the wire still Connected into the terminal, he hides Behind the little door (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is so stupid Like, the Terminator would see that and start shooting him but whatever, fine, I don't care But that's very clearly a real Terminator Like that is a A sure. prop that was put on some. It's only from like the waist, the torso up It was put on someone's shoulders And someone had to maneuver physically Around with that and It's like, you juxtapose that with Terminator Salvation And you have the moment where, Ky- where Jai Courtney, Kyle Reese is fighting Like the endoskeleton In the, like the oh god The hideout Mm-hmm. And he has the giant, he has the really big 50 caliber gun The Terminator's like punching into the ground To like get him And even though that's a cool action sequence It's so fake looking Yeah, yep And one little sequence Of the Terminator kind of like bumbling On screen And then like turning its head Is infinitely more interesting than a five minute Long action sequence <laughs> Definitely, oh yeah Because <laughs> there's nothing physical to it and that's why I've always wondered was like, could could there have been a future where we get a little bit more of the past clinging just because it's like someone like a Stan Winston would have been like, okay, I'm gonna show you guys why not that maybe my thing is better, but it has more stay power. Exactly. Stay power. Yep. And then the last thing I want to point out, and this goes back, and I don't want to harp on it too long, so I want to get to Genesis, is that in the sequence when they're all being like uh, hurdle, or I'm sorry, uh, corralled out of the holding pens of the hunter killer into the facility. Mm-hmm. At one point, I don't know who it is. I could be the old woman. It could be Star. It could be Kyle Reese. They look up to the giant, like blue tower, the Skynet tower, and you see five silhouettes up there. Oh, I don't think I picked up on that, or at least I didn't write it down. I, so, okay. I don't know for certain because I've watched this and it's one shot. And I don't know if it's just my eye seeing things, but it's it's a white background. And we know they're white because the later scenes with Sam Worthington, Helen and Bob Carter. It's deliberately you see all the floors mm-hmm. and there's and I'm not sure if it's five. It could be three, four, five. But sure. you see five silhouettes that look like persons high up 
and they're lo- and you can tell that they're looking down upon all this. Okay. Or at least look out the window. And I've always wondered, is there a human element? Because we don't know how because I would imagine a lot of these drafts of Terminator get passed around. Because I know for this movie, when the DVD Blu-ray came out, I remember reading a story online saying, like, oh, there's an alternate ending when they replace John Connor's heart with Marcus's that John Connor becomes bad or something happened to John Connor in the facility where like they, they give him the new heart. He pulls out a gun and shoots all of them dead. His eye glows red in the movie ends. Ooh. And I went like nuts. Being like, Oh my God. <laughs> they actually made that as an ending. And I, <laughs> yeah. like, I, and, like, I remember reading that like, Oh, it's on the blu-ray. I'm like, it's, it's on the blu-ray. I don't remember seeing that on the blu-ray. So I remember like digging through all the special features and what it is is that in one of the featurettes, because I'm not sure if Rob remembers this, or maybe I don't think, I don't think Rob was ever a big Blu-ray person. This was the same time as like Watchmen, where they had like the picture-in-picture like Blu-ray speech, uh, special features, where like it wasn't like, oh, like click on this featurette, and you have like 20 minutes of them like talking about how they made the movie. Mm-hmm. It was this thing where like you had to watch the movie, and at certain portions, like they'd stop the movie, and they'd like play a little video in the corner. Oh. And that's and that's what this was. And what it was is that they did have they show, I don't know how far it got, but they actually did storyboard it out where they have John Connor shooting everybody, his eye glows red, and that's how the movie ends. Wow. So th- and apparently in like in the interview, Christian Bale talks about that, and that was the ending he was lobbying for. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So I've always wondered that maybe there, much like how we talked about with Terminator 2 and it feels like there was some sort of like human element that was like pull like, like puppet master behind all this. Yeah. I wonder if there was an element to that this as as well. Because I know even going um to, I remember I think this was before the movie came out. This was I want to say in like the fall of 2008, maybe spring of 2009, it could have been even earlier. This was like one of those things kind of like Greg's previews where I remember reading that they had an idea for a fourth Terminator film and they were, they wanted to base, cause they felt like they already played out the whole John Connor thing. He was getting stale as a character and they were going to make a new character named Marcus, the main character. Ah. And, the, and the ending of this this fourth Terminator film was going to be John Connor is mortally wounded. And whoever it was, Marcus Wright was going to sit there, have John Connor's heart implanted in, or transplanted into him. Okay. So it would be the heart of the destruction of Skynet that would be in this new character. Gotcha. And this and, new Marcus character yeah. would be the hero of the franchise going forward. Oh, okay, okay. But instead, they flipped it. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing, because I, I remember reading that, and we're talking about 10-plus years ago. I can still remember yeah. vividly reading that. And not that I was bummed, but it was like, oh, who the hell is this Marcus character? And sure. as I was watching this, I'm like, oh, I would rather see a continuation of the Salvation storyline with Marcus Wright as like a half-man, half-Terminator hybrid leading the Resistance than like John Connor, Christian Bale, like gargling his way through it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And that's, I've always been interested by that. I wonder yeah, how much, and I still think, again, Genesis is its own can of worms, but I do think that there is an element to the Terminator franchise that's never been discussed where there is some human puppet master behind it all. 
That's why it's just somebody again. And I think, I think, unless you have anything else to say about salvation, I think we can maybe transition into Genesis this Genesis this way. Is because in Genesis we get the human embodiment of Skynet. Yes. And I think maybe that's where the idea of the Matt Smith character comes from, is that there maybe was this human, I don't want to say human, but this physical person form of Skynet that was there all along. Yeah, an embodiment of the essence of Skynet, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where that idea came from, because as I was watching uh, Genesis, I'm like, oh, maybe this is kind of like the extrapolation of that. Where maybe this there was this always a person in person. I'm using that term very loosely. I mean, kind of like an inorganic being that was an embodiment of this giant just entity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a concentration of this large entity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I could buy that. And that's why again, because there there is evidence in all these movies that, except for maybe the first and the third one, that there are there is an, a specific entity behind it all. Okay. There's a, Termi- there's a Terminator puppet master somewhere hidden under all these layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that for sure. So, Rob, Terminator Genesis. Oh, God. <laughs> Why is this movie two hours long? <laughs> oh, the, this movie, it had it had its saving graces, I have to say. J.K. Simmons. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this movie had its saving graces. A character, a tertiary character that's in the movie for a grand total of three minutes, if that. Yeah, he is definitely the best thing about this movie. Um, I do have to say though, because uh, because we have to get it out of the way, Amelia Clark severely miscast in this and everything else she's ever been in. I have to say though that we get one of the greatest interactions between her and Jason Clark when when they're like when Jason Clark shows up in the mid past future <laughs> whatever the fuck it is and he's like aha i'm john connor i'm here to save you guys and sarah connor's like i they can shapeshift how do i know you're john connor like prove it and he basically says something about amelia clark or sarah connor trying to sing to him when he was younger and yep. he actually says the line he's like you have a terrible voice it's true you sound like a dying cat and i had to pause the movie and i was like thank you thank you for getting to say <laughs> What I've always wanted to say to Amelia Clark, even if it was for a movie. You hate lullabies. You're a sucker for Elton John. And you always thought if you had a child, you'd sing him Rocket Man. John. You got a terrible voice. I'm sorry. It's true. You sound like a dying cat. Thank you, Jason Clark. Thank you. <laughs> I think we figured out what Rod's favorite Terminator film is. It may, maybe one of his favorite films of all time because of this <laughs> one line of dialogue. It, it's so. It lets me live so excellently vicariously. It was. It was awesome. So I th- yeah, J.K. Simmons that. And, and that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Terminator Genesis is a uh, okay. Terminator Genesis, I remember, much like uh, Jurassic World, real scary stories, there is the article that was re- I wrote at the time of this. It's a nice little kind of like snapshot yeah. time of what I was feeling about this. I walked out of this movie. I saw it. Okay, context of Terminator Genesis. Oh, yeah, because there is a fun story to this. Okay, this movie, I knew, I remember back, I remember when I was in college, I had the 
professor who he was like the freshman year thing that i had, that had up in college and weird story though but he was kind of like this thing that was like a very small classroom setting it was a way of like easing us into college and he was like a royal cynical sob bastard but he knew his like nerdy stuff well like he was like, okay. encyclopedic knowledge i think i've referenced him a couple of times um, if not here on definitely on the star wars podcast and I remember going to him at this point, I kind of knew him as a nerd. Like, he knew his nerdy topics and, um, and it was like spring of 2011. And I'm like, they're making another Terminator movie. And he's like, Oh no. He's like, just <laughs> let it die. And I'm like, Arnold's coming back. And he's like, Ugh, ugh. <laughs> and that was kind of my first like hinting of Terminator because, or Terminator five, which would become Genesis. Cause I think at that point, Justin Lin Who's a director of Ter- uh, Terminator? Fran- uh, Fast and Furious three, four, five. He's the one, and I think six too. Yeah, six, three, four, okay. five, and six. He was attached to direct it, and it was like, oh, okay, like not a bad idea. He eventually dropped out, I think, because I think he just got tired of like working on Fast and Furious movies and just like big blockbusters. And or maybe he did. I think he got the, ch- or maybe he chose between GI Joe two and this. I forget. Whatever. He backed out. And I know Arnold was coming back because this is when Arnold was like coming back to like all like becoming Arnold again. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I think this was after For the Dark World came out. And they're like, Alan Taylor is directing it. And I'm like, that's the most uninspired choice for a term, like for any movie. <laughs> when you hire a Game of Thrones, because at that point, Games of, Game of Thrones was like yeah. exploding in popularity. Mm-hmm. And but like TV, like show directors are like just are do what they do what they're told. They don't have visions. Like they, they basically are proxies for the producers yep yep there's no vision like as much as we laugh at mcg i don't i think he was less of a slave to the producers in the studio than alan taylor was and it really shows you know i I know this is horrible to say but like after this alan taylor has not gotten another big gig and thank god because he has no voice not (laughs) to say you need a voice but it's just like he doesn't belong in feature filmmaking Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie really shows. It just feels like it's the most cynical, like cash grabby movie ever. Oh my god, I can't stand so just the the sassiness in the tone of like between Arnold, Amelia Clark, and Jai Courtney. I'm like, no, I'm like, we don't need this in this franchise. Yeah, there's like okay, and this I guess there's a little bit more context is. So like this movie, like the trailers came out and I was, I was stoked. Like I, I, you started to learn like, Oh, they're going to do the back to the future part two thing where we go back in time. And we like, we, we like weave our way through like the past events. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like at that point, like technology was finally catching up to like what people wanted to do with that. We're like, I know a lot of people yeah. attacked the moment in Terminator salvation with Arnold. And I never had a problem with that. I remember Sal and Josh talking about it. Rob knows who that is. You know that word had to be bleeped out. Yeah, and they and and they all and Rob can agree that he was that, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay, good. Um, that guy's that guy might be the worst person that's ever lived, folks. That's not exact. He might be. It's funny in a contest between my nephew and Josh. Like we're talking about, like, ugh, like that's <laughs> that's a nail biter. Like that. Those are two like horrible, horrible human beings. Like the the worst of the people, I'd say, right? I've only met one of them, as far as I know. So I guess. <laughs> but anyway, though, Josh Blank from high school, like he's him and Sally used to complain about Arnold from Terminator Salvation, 
and I never understood why. Rewatching it for this, I still don't understand why. But no, so like technology was finally catching up for salvation. I thought it was really cool again. The Arnold, like, I've been waiting for you. I'm like, cool, neat, I'll take it. That was like and, the one scene in this movie where I was I was ready to be on board. Because Zach knows I love me some revisionist history, his, uh, revisionist history, especially when it's in franchise. You know, like all that shit they pulled on Lost, I loved. So I was ready for this, but then it just it went downhill so fast. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. And, <laughs> but no, like that that stuff in the marketing was neat, and I'm like, okay, cool. And like any good Terminator fan, like when the trailers would come out, I I watched them. I'm like, okay, like I'm on board. Like a lot of it's cool. Like every single trailer ends with the I'll be or he's like I'll be back. What? And he goes crashing through the helicopter. I'm like, neat. I'm like, I'm on board. It's neat. It's Arnold saying his line after like <laughs> 12 years. Fine, yeah. I'll take it. And then in the last trailer, I guess the market research focus groups weren't testing. It wasn't testing well, the movie okay. because they gave away the John Connors, the bad guy. Oh, it, oh they in, did that in the marketing in the final trailer. God. They gave that away and it never bothered me because I knew the whole thing about like John Connor, like being the bad guy. It's like an alternate version of salvation. Sure. So like, I never, I was never bothered by them. Like, Oh, it's clever. Like you can only do them running away from the T 1000 so many times. I'm like the idea of making John Connor, the bad guy, that's a neat premise. It's it's all about execution, but it's an idea you can work with it. Mm-hmm. And then, like on the poster, it's him, like half Terminator, half Jason Clark, <laughs> and it's like God movie. Like I get it. Like you you have to tip again. The marketing department is not there to make sure you go in like fresh to a movie. The marketing department is told one thing: get people into seats. Yep. We don't care what it takes. Make sure they buy a ticket. We'll worry about the fallout. And that's what the marketing department does. It has one job and it has to play every card in its hand. The Rotten Tomatoes embargo dropped. Like, on, like I think, because this came out, I think, like on a 4th of July weekend in 2015 or sometime around there. Okay. And like, at first, the like, couple reviews I read were, were like stellar, but they were like overall positive. Like, okay, it's better than Salvation. It's better than Three. And I'm like, okay, cool. Then like the deluge, just like the people crapping on it became the thing of it's not Terminator 2 and it's awful. Mm, that 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 yeah. rhetoric again it's not terminator 2 it, again every review said the exact same thing it was shocking it was it's better than three and four but it's not two uh rotten tomato score okay whatever <laughs> in the days leading up to this on the official like terminator twitter account or whatever it was there they had like a contest it was like oh give us your best like made up arnold one-liner and you can win a one-to-one terminator endoskeleton head bust and i like i at that point i think i won a couple of things off twitter i won a blu-ray copy of john carter of mars i won like a mcdonald's <laughs> like uh that is the thing that i won to buy my copy of john carter <laughs> what do you uh, have to do just like tweet at them <laughs> more or less and, and it wasn't just me either i think it was like one of those, he'd be like the first of like 25 people to enter and everybody got a copy of john I was, carter that's i was about to say was it a participation trophy <laughs> more or less but like i also won like like a like a beer can cozy from like McDonald's. Like I had a pretty good track record of winning these things, but like it was one of those, like the movie was coming out in a couple of days and, or no, you know what's Terminator? It was IMAX. It was the official IMAX oh, Twitter okay. account. That's okay. what it was. And the thing was like, give us your best, like made up Arnold one liner. Like, it couldn't be something he's already said. It'd be like your mm-hmm. own, like one liner. And I figured like, I looked, like, it had like hundreds of replies and I, I can still remember what I wrote. It was quote, 
I'm old. And then in parenthetical loud explosion. <laughs> like nice. it was, it was horrible. And I, I deliberately in, I tweeted that like a hundred percent being like, I'm not going to win this. I have no, like, I don't anticipate on winning this. Unlike the lightsaber contest, I had no, like, I yeah. not a snowball chance in hell of winning this. And then, like, I always, I, get, I had notifications on my phone for Twitter. And it says, like, oh, IMAX followed you. I'm like, why the hell is IMAX following me? I'm like, <laughs> they don't usually do that. Then, like, I get a direct message being like, congratulations, you won. And I'm like, nice. what the hell is, like, what sort of future is this? What dark timeline do I live in? And I like I had no I, I I could never figure out why they picked me. The only reason why I think they did was in anticipation because I was really excited for this movie. Mm-hmm. I had like decked out my entire Twitter feed, like everything Terminator. Like I made my background Terminator. Oh, okay. Like the last like five things I tweeted were about Terminator. I think the last thing I tweeted was my ticket stub from Terminator Three. Rise of the Machines, like opening day. <laughs> I think I think my like avatar was something like Terminator related. Like yeah. I had gone all out Terminator, and I think that's why they picked me. So like, I came across as like a hardcore fan, which is which is what I am. I'm not. I wasn't lying. It wasn't like I was faking it. But they sent me the Terminator like, endoskeleton, and it was ridiculous. I had to fill out an affidavit oh, before wow, they would okay. send it to me. I guess to prove that like I was a legal resident of the United States. Yeah, all, some legal mumbo jumbo. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, of course. But the thing it is, it is a heavy like son of a gun. Like it is. <laughs> like if you were to drop this, a it would shatter, and b like it would hurt. Like if it hit like hit a part of your body, and they sent it to me, and, it, and the company that made it, I think, is a company called Chronicle, which I'd never heard of before. Okay. And it didn't because you put batteries into it, and you push a button, and the eyes glow. Nice. And the battery, it didn't come with a battery like door compartment. So I contacted like the company that made it. And I'm like, hey, like I got this thing through a contest. Can you send me? Because all I, it was a little piece of plastic with a screw. That's all I needed. They're like, oh, sure. Like just send us your address and we'll mail it to you. Thanks. And I contacted uh, IMAX and I'm like, hey, I'm not sure if you're giving out any more of these, but just want to let you know like mine didn't come with a battery door. And you're like, oh my god, we're so sorry. Like, this is so embarrassing. Here are ten free IMAX movie tickets. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, god damn it. I'm like, but I didn't have any eyes. Rob knows, living in nowhere's like Nowheresville, New York. There's no IMAX movie theaters nearby. So I literally had to like piss away ten free IMAX movie tickets. Yeah. Uh, quick plug. Go listen to films Rock Rob and Zach have seen together for how we had to travel to see IMAX movies. <laughs> yes. And Rob got one of these as a birthday present one year. I'm like, Rob, how would you like some IMAX movie tickets? You're like, I don't have any IMAX movie theaters. I'm like, here's five free tickets. <laughs> yes, Rob got some of these. I think his response was thanks, question mark. Um, yeah, I, I think you explained it to me and you were like i just need to get rid of these yeah it's like i'm gonna it's, do my best <laughs> it's like i feel bad like they gave me free tickets i'm like i don't know what to do with them it's like i don't want them to expire they're, they're good i think uh, you should have contacted them back and been like how do these 10 free imax tickets replace the battery in this goddamn bus <laughs> <laughs> I, that would have been my concern. <laughs> well, I think I think I told them that like I was getting one through the manufacturer. I th- I, again, they they sent me this thing, I, and I think they were giving out like more than one because I know they had the one I got was like a specialty thing, but they had one that was signed by like all the cast members at the premiere. 
Oh, okay. Like, I, I know there's a picture somewhere. If you Google it, you can probably can find it where it's J.K. Simmons. Like, you could do your own, like, Sergeant Candy, but with J.K. Simmons. There's <laughs> okay. one of him posing next to it. And I think that's what it was. Like, they had, like, Arnold sign it, Jason Clark, Amelia Clark, Jai Courtney, J.K. Simmons. Uh, I think, I think like, Alan Taylor signed it. Everybody signed it. And I think that's what it was. It was like they were giving out more than one. I just told them. It's like, because I did get, I had, like, an email address. And I'm like, hey, just heads up. I'm like you might just want to know about this. Okay. Um. Like I, I was getting one. So I didn't bother them. The company sent me one. They sent me the little plastic door. They sent me the screw. So it, it took ten seconds. Just put it in. Good. Um. But no, so that's kind of exciting with it. So I go to the movie theater and like any good movie going like theater story. I went to the theater which we saw the Avengers Endgame experiment in, and something happened previously where they like I bought a ticket through Fandango for Jurassic World. They charged me for it, so I had like. They owed me a free ticket, but they couldn't give me a free ticket. They had to like keep it in a log in order for me to get the free ticket. Instead, of whatever it was, they couldn't just refund me what they charged. They had me like go to the front desk and they had my name like in a notebook. And they're like, We're <laughs> expecting you. And I'm like, okay, they're like, what movie do you want to see? I'm like, Terminator. And I was wearing my Terminator 3 t-shirt, which I forgot to mention when we recorded our Terminator 3 episode. I have a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Rob, Rob, Rob got sent a very classy picture of me brushing my teeth in my bathroom mirror of me wearing my Terminator 3 shirt with the caption. I forgot to mention I was wearing this all day today for this recording. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I have a Terminator 3 shirt, folks, I got from Universal Studios. I was wearing that. I was like beyond excited. I was lukewarm on it at the time. Like mm-hmm. I love I-, I really love Arnold in the movie. Everybody is severely miscast. Oh, I have yeah. I have no idea what was going through everybody's heads when they were making this movie. It feels like the thing that like that meme you see on the internet where someone's like, "Oh, I, I like gave a computer a hundred hours of like Olive Garden commercials yep. and had it write its own like Olive Garden commercial script." That's what this feels like. It feels like a weird like greatest hits of the Terminator franchise, but it's intended for like newcomers. Yeah, I didn't understand. I felt that same way also. And, you know, especially with the people being miscast. And then, you know, I don't, it's, it's not that Arnold was miscast. No, he's, he's perfect. He's, he's perfect. But they gave him the wrong dialogue, I felt. Because he can't say the word cellular. He's like, he's been, John Connor <laughs> has been changed on the cellular level. And it's like, why? Why did you give him that line, you know? <laughs> At the end of the war, Skynet was trying to develop a new type of infiltration unit. By infecting human subjects with machine-faced matter, it restructures and rebuilds human tissue on a cellular level for maximum combat utility. Yeah, there's... Uh, after a while, the problem with Arnold is that, like, Arnold's become a character... Like, back in the 90s, he was a caricature of himself. Now, yeah. like, he's, like, ten, like, paces beyond... Like, what's beyond a caricature? He's beyond <laughs> that now. Like, it's almost, like, self-satirical, almost. Yeah, yeah. And... I think that's what it's like. Even the whole thing with the uh, like, it's nice to meet you, Kyle Reese, with the, like the smile, and that was like a big punching bag moment for this movie. People are like, oh, this movie's so bad, it has to recycle deleted scenes from Terminator Two, and I like that sequence. I think it's cute, yeah. it's charming. That's what it's supposed to be. It, the, a lot of things that people point to in this movie and claim as to why it's bad aren't the reasons why it's bad. Okay. Because like you said, Amelia Clark and Jai Courtney, and I don't blame them. I think they're doing the best. I, they're doing the best they, they were given. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. They were handed the script. They were going to be in a new term, and especially in Hollywood in 2014, 15. The big thing now is that every like 
actor needs their own movie franchise is like a perpetual paycheck. Yep. So the idea of being told like, oh, you can be Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese and you're guaranteed three three paychecks. I don't blame them for the for them taking that deal. No, no, not at all. But it's the notion of that like they are just they are so wrong. Like and I get again, we talked about in previous like episodes where it's oh, who's gonna be our new modern young female crusader? Of course it's Amelia Clark. She's Dragon Woman from mm-hmm. from Lord of Chairs, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, like on paper, but it's also it's that J.J. Abrams thing of like it's the producers talking. It's yeah. it's 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 the what what do I call it the uh, chocolate milkshake dilemma or like it's just you just keep putting things into the blender and it's like all these things that complement each other in an immediate sense, mm-hmm. but like when combined with everything else, it falls apart. Well, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day and asking, I was explaining this because you said this a bajillion times on this podcast. And I was asking them if there's like a true name for that because it is a type of fallacy. Sure. But we couldn't think of like a, a true one. But I think the best nope, the best name we came up or the closest one that exists is that it's the slippery slope fallacy. Oh. But it's more, it's more like the next step fallacy than slippery slope. Because the slippery slope fallacy is like if you let one step go through, what's at the end is going to like ha- cause problems. Where we're talking about more, it's like each step that gets added on is in the wrong direction, right? Well, it's the I, this is it's the chocolate pretzels dilemma. That's what I've always referred to it as. It's the idea of like, oh, what goes like you have chocolate. What do you, can you combine that with pretzels? Chocolate covered pretzels. Oh, what goes good with pretzels? Beer cheese. What goes good with beer cheese? You can put it on a hamburger. What goes mm. good with a hamburger? French fries. What goes good with French fries? A pickle spear. What goes good with a pickle spear? And you just constantly keep doing that. And all these things make sense on a like, you connect them. But at the same time, you, know, you build this monstrosity that you put it all together. And it does, none of it works. Again, in, in a very, uh, what would you call it? In a uh, short-sighted sense, it works. But yes. the, the more extrapolated, the more you pull it out, it falls apart. And that's why I've always referred to it as the. And I know I I changed the wording of it depending on what kind of context I'm using it in. But the the way I've described it the best is it's the uh, chocolate pretzels dilemma, and yes. you can apply it to anything. It's just it's something that in an immediate sense it works, but over the course of it all, it just when you look uh, short, oh, oh, small picture it works, big picture. Yep. Yeah, I think I think we've you have explained it excellently throughout. You know, on this episode, other podcasts, I. I guess what I'm saying is I don't like the name. <laughs> no, well, I, the problem is that until you think of a better name for it, it's gonna have to suffice. Okay, okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna work on next step fallacy because I don't okay. I don't think it's slippery slope. I think that's I think that's subtly different. So, well, the whole idea of slippery slope too is that like one bad decision leads to another until eventually all hell breaks loose. Yeah, and I yeah. And I don't think that's what this is because like oh Amelia Clark's like one of the biggest actresses on the face of this earth in 2014. Mm-hmm. Hiring her is not a bad call. Then you have like Jai Courtney and the joke was for the longest time Jai Courtney had the best like agent in Hollywood because he kept getting cast in all these big franchise things. Yep. Terminator, uh Divergent Suicide Squad. Uh, suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. Again, the guy got around. He was in Sp- I think he started out in Spartacus. Was his really big like claim okay. fame. And then, like, even though Jason Clark, he he showed up in a couple of things here and there, but he was up and coming. He was in. He was a star of like the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. He'd been around. He'd done things. 
And it was like all these things make sense. You're bringing Arnold back. You're getting a director from Game of Thrones. Uh, you're, you're, you have Jimmy C on board. Like Jim, I, we'll, we'll finally play it here. The Jimmy C clip he did, like in like promo of this, because this is the film. This is the first sequel that got his blessing. I had no idea what to expect sitting down. I wasn't involved in the making of the film. I didn't direct it. I didn't write it. I'm just a fanboy. So I'm in a dark theater. The movie starts. The machine sent a Terminator back to the time before the war to kill my mother, Sarah Connor. And I start to see things I recognize. It's being very respectful of the first two films. Nice night for a walk, eh? Your clothes, give them to me, now. And then all of a sudden it just swerves. I've been waiting for you. And now I'm going on a journey. I feel like the franchise has been reinvigorated, like this is a renaissance. Come with me if you want to live. Everything's changed. If you look at why the films became classics, they had characters that you liked. The Terminator. It is nice to meet you. I've been trying to teach him to blend in. I know it needs work. The new film, which in my mind I think of as the third film, we see Arnold take the character even farther. Everybody responds to Sarah Connor. Nice try. For women, I think she represents a kind of empowerment. And yet there's a vulnerability there because that strength comes at a price. Be here. We went from, in the first film, the Terminator being the worst badass in history, to in the second film, him being almost a father figure. What are you doing? John! The idea of taking John Connor and flipping him to the bad guy. What have they done to my son? Survival is what you taught me. It's pretty cool, because you got to riff against expectation. It's all about the twists. I'm not machine, not man, I'm more. You like the Terminator films? Run! I'll be back. You're gonna love this movie. I, I guess I should read from the um, Entertainment Weekly article for Terminator Salvation. That is, this is what it says: When McGee signed on to direct Salvation, he knew that hardcore fans of the franchise would cry sacrilege. So he decided that he needed the Godfather's blessing. He went down to the set of Jimmy C's Avatar, hoping to get a benediction. Or at least some advice from the man who created T1 and T2. But he walk, walked away empty-handed. Quote, Cameron was very cordial, but he didn't give me his blessing. He did tell me, I know how you feel. When I directed Aliens, I was following Alien and the mighty Ridley Scott. And people thought, who is Jimmy C? All he's made is Piranha 2. And yet, strangely enough. Well, if we haven't already played it, we'll have played it now. The video of Jimmy C giving his blessing for this, which is which is part of the marketing materials. This is a promo that they put on YouTube and was mm -hmm. being shared for like one morning. On the back of the Blu-ray box, it says in big bold letters, "You are going to love this movie, Jimmy C, director <laughs> one term, director of Terminators one and two. Oh God! <laughs> the biggest joke of this movie was Jimmy Seed was its loudest champion. 
Man, yeah, that's 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 upsetting. <laughs> and the weird thing too, I didn't mention the Terminator Salvation part of this conversation. It was Jimmy C who recommended to McGee to hire Sam Worthington mm-hmm. because term. Uh, Avatar was being filmed in 2006. Yeah. Everybody forgets Avatar was filmed like three years before it, came, three plus years before it came out. And Sam Worthington had his stuff all in the can. And when Big G sat down with Jimmy C, Jimmy C's like, "You should hire the Sam Worthington guy. He's pretty good." Okay. I so guess. there you, so there <laughs> you go, folks. That's like again, that's how you got Sam Worthington. It was another Jimmy C thing. Good old Jimmy C. <laughs> God, God damn Jimmy C. But uh, no, like getting back to uh, Genesis though, like I don't, again, that's the weird thing of this movie. Cause I watched the movie, even though it's a convoluted mess. And I think I even stated it. And I forgot about this in the review I sent Rob and we'll link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Was that when I was sitting through this movie, this movie is so busy with hitting you over the head or assuming that you understand Terminator lore Yes. That yet it's also being positioned as a new jumping off point for new fans. Uh, yeah, and I think that uh, be, this being, of course, the last in the five that we're watching until the new one comes out and we see it in theaters, that was a big turnoff for me. Like literally, it got to a point in this movie where one of my notes is basically me saying, "Isn't it so much fun to watch a movie that's almost entirely tributes to movies you've already seen? It's the best and not boring at all." Yeah. Like I couldn't stand like Amelia Clark's first two lines. If you don't count the flashback, which or the flash. Timeline alternate <laughs> bullshit at the beginning. If you don't count that, Amelia Clark's first two lines are pulled directly from the first movie. It's come with me if you want to live and come on soldier. And I was like, fuck. And oh, I guess I should say, Zach, you were you you were absolutely right. When we get to see that picture of Amelia Clark as Linda <laughs> Hamilton, yeah, that, that was that was just painful. That's <laughs> you great. were so right. That's great. I, I was watching it. I'm disappointed it only shows up once. <laughs> I'm like, that's just been the movie for two hours. Just have that. And so I could just giggle and like cackle at it. I love that it's like more zoomed in than the original picture. Like they like they felt they needed to like show off more of Amelia Clark's face. And I mean, I don't think she's terrible looking, but I, I, I'm glad that her eyebrows and her hair color matched in this movie. I guess that's the best I can say. <laughs> well, she's OK. She's probably. Oh, God, in a movie filled with jarring moments, it's hard to say that, like, she's the most jarring. But the problem is, like, she's living up to one of the most iconic yes. female characters in cinematic history. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, and especially, like, Linda Hamilton, with the help of Jimmy C., reinvented that character. So it's rare to have a great character to begin with, then reinvent the, the character so well, oh, and then have, then force another actress where it's 100% out of her wheelhouse to try to, like, play an alternate, like, oh, God, what'd you even call it? Like, okay, and all it's an alternate version of that character, and it's like, oh, I, again, I don't blame her, though, but it's just, like, like some of, I don't, again, some stuff like, oh, she'll say something, and, oh, God, what's it? she goes, bite me. It's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that, was, that made no sense because Arnold, what, knocks out Kyle Reese and he's like, we need to move. Arguing with him is not helpful. And her response is, bite me. And it's like, like, what? 
Like, that's a good decision he just made. Why are you but, complaining about it? But this is a thing, though, that I'm not... Again, this is a goofy line, yes. But I was never aware of it until this discussion. Is that Sarah Connor in the first film is 18 years old. Oh, okay. okay. So, it's like, okay, how an 18-year-old... And again, it's the idea they're trying to make this play into... Again, they were making Terminator Genesis... To capture a new audience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the sort of thing Like imagine again Was Stranger Things around yet? By this time? 2015? I, I don't think maybe, so Maybe not Maybe it was okay. a year out Maybe Whatever we're in, the, we're in that time span though Of the culture And considering how incestuous Hollywood is Like if you're trying to appeal To a bunch of 14, 15 year olds That feel like the 80s Are this like bygone Like Nirvana snapshot In time of culture that's the sort of thing that they they think will appeal to them. It's pandering, yes. and like the idea of like we have a point where like they're all like what loading up with all their weapons, and they have a t- they have a Terminator hunting them, and she puts headphones on. It's yeah. like why? Is it, but guess what though? You, they're trying to pander to like oh I'm a teenager, and when I'm stressed out, I listen to music too. It's kind of like the oh god the Steve Buscemi thing with him like the skateboard in the backwards hat. Hello, fellow kids, what is up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of thing where it's like, okay, we are taking dad's franchise and we're trying to make it hip and modern. We're casting Amelia Clark, Jai Courtney. It, it, that's what it feels like. It, it, this movie, I think the best way to describe it is the, what is up, fellow kids? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, comparison. Absolutely. And it does not fit. It's not something that, you know, we, I, I know me, and I think you're in the same boat. We don't need to see this. This is not... Interesting to us, but I get what you're saying. It's pandering to the, like it's the push off for the new generation, and that's what it is. Like even in the the article that I wrote, is that like oh, I I don't remember this at all. It's fine. I kind of remember it now that uh, I reread it after like four year, four years. Yeah, four years. <laughs> uh, it's like I remember seeing this, and a mother walked in. She had to be at least like like the kids were I think like thirteen, fourteen ish. So she had to be at least like in her early 40s mm-hmm. and i saw them though and the kids like you could tell the kids did not not that like they were texting or anything so i think they were sitting behind me but i remember them walking into the theater being like this this isn't for them like yeah. this is like they must have been so like other than just like explosions they must yep. have just been so bored out of their mind either because like you you can't track anything in this movie because it's so overly convoluted. And I even saw like, an, like there was an interview that Jimmy C did for Terminator Dark Dark Fate that came out in the last couple of weeks, and he was explaining how this one's going to be different than all the others. And he's like, "Oh, we're going to make this one much more simplistic than the previous ones." And at the time, this is before I rewatched Genesis. I'm like, "Simplistic? It's like what's what's convoluted about any of the Terminator movies? They're all pretty straightforward <laughs> if you can just follow <laughs> yeah. a basic movie plot." Yeah. And I watch. Now I'm watching this, and I'm like, "Okay, they go back to 1984." Then they go, they go back to like 2017, but though they want to go to 2017, but then there's this, there's that, and then there's there's alternate cyborgs, dad and cyborg, <laughs> and it's like and it's like it's Joe yes. Morton, but it's not Joe Morton. And I'm so Genesis, glad that you bring but, that up. That cyborg is in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but ter- it's like Skynet's no longer Skynet. It's Genesis, but they keep calling it Skynet, even though now it's Genesis. Yeah, and, and Matt Smith is here for some weird reason. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I, oh, like, I know, twice. yeah, like, I know this series like the back of my hand. And I'm like, like, why is this so convoluted? Like, this is, and it's turning me off. Like, I am, like, I'm the person that has a Terminator endoskeleton, like, like 
figure on my desk and a bust, and you're confusing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's that's really a, that's a that's a good metric to to uh, rate it by. <laughs> yeah, like I said, like, I do enjoy this movie because like, like like the first like this kind of almost got like Aristocats level for like the first like two thirds three quarters. Like I was genuinely losing my mind. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like I don't like I like, I I know these things. It was kind of like being like in a half remembered dream where it's like I'm seeing things like I like oh it feels like John Connor. And Kyle Reese, but it doesn't look like John Connor or Kyle Reese. Yeah, and I'm like, why is why is Sarah Connor so like overly attractive in this? Because like I like I'm not over again. I think oh, what's her name, Amelia Clark? It's, she's an attractive female. Like she's a pretty woman, but I've never found her like overly pretty. And in this, I'm like, oh man, this is like wifey material right here. And I'm like, <laughs> Sarah Connor shouldn't be this attractive. She should be like like especially if she's been raised by a Terminator for ten years. She should be a little bit more run down. Like she's like her face is so smooth and just like put that's together. Like, yeah. And I'm like, and that's one thing about even Linda Hamilton, the first Terminator. Like, yes, she's pretty, but like after like the tech noir sequence, she's pretty like run down looking. Like again, she's her hair's like all quaffed and just done. But at the same time, you can just tell she looks like she's worn out mentally. Yeah, and, and when time- we get that set up with the um, you know, with the uh, the waitressing scene, and we get that she's you know feeling that pressure of society and stuff. Absolutely, here it's just I'm a warrior. Deal with it. Ha ha. Yeah, and she doesn't look like a warrior other than just like oh, she has guns. Yep, exactly. And even one thing, I, and even though like my father used to do this, and I absolutely hated it. And I guess it's only appropriate that we like it's in a conversation I talk about with Mick J. Is that like when the first like Charlie's Angels movie came out, directed by Mick J. I just want to keep putting that in out there i remember like my father watched that and my father like for somebody and my rob knew my father to a certain degree he was an old man he was an old fart and he was that what would we call it benevolent sexism he was he was a chauvinist like not that he disliked women though but it was the idea that like oh women women cannot do everything men can do in a physical sense and it wasn't because he was a bigot it's just as somebody who was born in 1927 it was just baked into who he was just generationally it was baked into his identity and things like Charlie's Angles, uh, Angles, Charlie's Angels drove him nuts because, like, oh, women can't be doing this. And I'm like, it's a movie. I remember telling okay. him, like, when, like, when I saw that movie, I'm like, it's a movie. Who cares? Like, it's not meant to be real. Yeah. Yet, yet, and I've always hated that. Like, oh, it's a movie. It's called Suspension of Disbelief. Yet, there's a moment in this where, like, it's the my father, like, part of my brain started where, like, Rob stated, Sarah Connor like drives through the department store in like the armored like Brinks truck. She opens the door, has like a Desert Eagle pistol, which is like a RoboCop sized like pistol, like the thing. Yeah, like, it is a, it's the largest handgun you can have, and she's firing it with one hand or one arm. <laughs> I'm like she would barely be able to hold that up with both hands. Oh, Never yeah. mind, hold it with one arm and fire it numerous times. <laughs> and I get it; it's a Terminator movie. Suspension of disbelief is the first thing when you turn the movie on. But of all the guns that give her, it's subconsciously something like that takes you out of the movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, she's too, I don't want to say she's too dainty. But well, like, I mean, I don't think you're wrong in saying that because the movie even pokes fun at it. When they get to 2017 and they get arrested, there's the mugshot yes. scene with bad boys. <laughs> and they're like, Amelia Clark is five foot two. 
Yeah. And they and they point that out so heavily. And that's that's one of the points where I was like, so what do you want? Do you want her to be this great warrior? Do you want to be this little person? We can only see her eyes in this shot. And she has to be protected by Arnold, who's like seven feet tall in their make-believe make mugshot, you know? Yeah. There's a reason why, folks, that like with Tom Cruise, every time he's like has a share scene with another actor, he they always make sure they do forced perspective, and he's <laughs> always standing closer to the camera, and the other actors are further away. Oh like, that's my a, god! Yeah, that's a thing that he that, that that's in his like all his contracts. I think it's like I forget. It's like in the behind the scenes thing for like one of the Mission Impossible movies, where it's like one of the like one of his like part of his team might be like Ving Rhames is like standing next to him. I remember like reading somewhere, Ving Rhames is like, I never like someone's like, oh, what's it like like acting with Tom Cruise? He's like, I've never been within like ten feet of that guy. Like every scene <laughs> we have, he's like, he's like, I'm like six foot five, and he's like five foot six. Like I'm not allowed to be near him for any scenes. Have you ever seen Kevin Hart's wedding pictures with the forced perspective? So he's as tall as his wife. Oh no, I have not. Oh god, it's it's bad. It's bad. I have to find it and send it to you on Facebook or something. But it's bad. Okay. That's what I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> But it's true though, like, like you said, that's a very good point. Is like, why would you point it out? Because again, I don't think Amelia Clark is like dainty in the movie, but it's the idea that she is a petite woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's just who she is. Like, you, if you don't want it, then don't cast her. But Linda Hamilton, I think Linda Hamilton's like what, maybe five six, five seven. But when you look at Linda Hamilton in the Terminator films, she never comes across as like petite or dainty. Exactly. Yep. And that's just again, I, I don't blame Amelia Clark, but again, I think she's too pretty in this. She's I don't want to say like it's like other things where it's like almost like distractingly pretty, but it's the idea like it's not appropriate for her to be looked at like kind of glammed up. And the same goes even for Jai Courtney. Like I think he's like the producers are just as guilty of it with him as they are for her, in that like he's Kyle Reese and how we talked in the first Terminator discussion. Like he is so malnourished. Like even how we're introduced to him in the first film, he falls from like five feet out of the air, and you mm-hmm. can feel his pain reacting yeah. to that. And that ha- and that exact sequence happens here. Yet Jai Courtney's just oh god, skipping along. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I he's just going through the motions. He, he's never in anguish. I think the only time he's in genuine anguish in this movie is when he sees Arnold in the back of the Brinks truck and he starts freaking out. And even that, like, is relative to everything else in the movie. Mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. compare to anything that Ky- uh, Kyle, Michael Bean does yeah. with the rest of the, uh, the previous film. It's, I don't know, like, everybody in this movie feels like they've never seen a Terminator film and they were just going off the script, which is possible. Like, that, that has happened before with, like, filmmakers where they tell the actors, like, don't watch any of the other movies or any of the source material. We want you to go off, like, what we're telling you. But even Jason Clark, like Jason Clark is a bad John Connor. Like Yeah, guys, I didn't believe him as John Connor in the slightest, you know. Even even though he turns out to be a cyborg, it it's like still this is not what I imagined this character to be at all. Well, even like uh early John Connor, like from the beginning of the movie, like even that, I'm like, I don't buy this. Like he's not John Connor. If it weren't for the scar, yeah. he's just a guy. <laughs> yeah. He's Guy Connor. He's Guy McFace. <laughs> now that's a throw that's a cinematic throwback. Oh my folks. god, there's so I'm so glad you said that because Guy McFace is every male with, character in the movie. Well, it starts with a G and an MC. Like, is Mick G <gasps> Guy McFace? Did we just break it? Did we break the code right here? Somebody call Michael Drosnin and get the Bible code. See if Mick G is encoded <laughs> with Guy McFace. 
and Terminator. So, so many references from Cinematis. Remember, folks, Cinematis is only like 18 months old, but like we have so many inside jokes now. They're just streaming. Like, Rob, where's the Hummer? Maybe the Hummer. You know what? It connects. The Hummer. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is a big proponent of Humvers and Humvees. Oh, my God. Oh, It's that's all great. connected. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Hummers, Humvee, Claws, blowjobs in the bathroom of the convenience store. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Watching the front counter. We should have mentioned that in Terminator 3 when he's shopping for sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. It's been here. Oh, Dean, Dean Norris, SWAT team leader, yeah. Uncle yeah. Daddy. <laughs> all right, folks. Cinematis is over after this series. No, no, no monster over. We, we figured it out. The, the Matrix code is actually starting to break in front of the monitor right now. Yeah, I think next week's episode is going to be like just 15 seconds long, and it's going to be like a computerized voice going, Robin Zach committed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> no, next week's episode is the architect comes out and explains the hidden meaning to all of Cinematis' choices. <laughs> if you enter this door, you will continue to the Monstober series. Everything yeah. will be all right. The cycle nice. will repeat. But if you open uh, this door. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We figured it out, folks. We, cra- we cracked the code. Oh, that's that's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Jason, whatever his name is, uh, Jason Clark, no affiliation to Amelia Clark. I, I don't want to say bad because again, I think he's just working off the script he was given. Even like you know, Christian Bale is at least giving it his trademark like intensity. Jason Clark's just like I'm John Connor. I am the hero of the resistance. Yep. Tonight is the last night. Then, then, like you have them attack. Like, the very even like in the the Jimmy C clip, which we definitely have played at this point, where he talks about like things I've I've seen things before. These are all things I recognize. And you have them like storming the Skynet compound, and like even that, like it doesn't feel exciting. Like it's like it's like oh, we have to get to Skynet before they turn on the time machine advice or machine thingy, and yet like we can see the doors closing, we can see the device. Or the time displacement machine. Mm-hmm. Yet, like when we eventually get into the time displacement machine, it's like three or four stories below ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, like John Connor's like chasing it, and Kyle's like, "No, John!" And like a giant like hunter killer gets shot out of the sky, but is somehow able to like deploy its like sentry beforehand. Yeah, which, I thought, which, which is a cool visual. But it's like I'm right here. Come kill me. And they all get like deactivated at the exact same time, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh. Oh, okay. (laughs) But I do want to point out one specific moment from this sequence that drove me nuts from the very first time I ever saw this movie. It drives me nuts to this day is that their plan for getting into Skynet is to hack an endoskeleton and have it drive a Terminator truck into the compound. Yep. Which might be, I remember. In, I guess I don't think okay. Rob Rob had to do this in real time now, much like whatever we were doing a couple weeks ago, where I had him looking up in real time. Type into Google Images Terminator Genesis Entertainment Weekly. Okay. Because even though that doesn't tie in directly to this, I think it was in that same spread that Entertainment Weekly did. Oh god, <laughs> Terminator Genesis Terminator Weekly. <laughs> now that's now that's the magazine after the Beckett ones that came out for Terminator Three. Okay, it gave me almost all the same results, so okay. <laughs> okay, it, it's the pictures of them all screaming, right? Yeah! Oh, God, okay. what the, what the well, fuck is we'll, this? We'll, we'll get to that in due time. But part of this spread, which we will get to explaining the main like 
spread of it all, they had a, sh- uh, a screenshot or a snapshot or still, and it was a Terminator behind a steering wheel. Okay. And I go, I remember thinking when I saw that going like, what the hell kind of sense does that make a Terminator driving a, a truck? Why would they, why would a Terminator be driving a truck? And I go, whatever, maybe it's a scene from like, like from the past, like the 1984 mm-hmm. or whatever. It it's not the future. So I'm sitting down to the movie and John Connor's grand plan to getting inside Skynet is to hack an endoskeleton and have it drive to the perimeter of Skynet until the robots can sense or x-ray vision it to find out that CPU is being modded. But I find so interesting is that they sense it because there's a wire coming out of it to Kyle Reese behind this, like the driver's seat with a little laptop. Yeah. And like they're able to reprogram Terminators to go back in time and protect younger versions of themselves. They couldn't program this thing to drive a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, see it. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad enough. But much like how I complained with Terminator Salvation, it's the notion of why is Skynet designing trucks that need to be driven by physical Terminators? Like, if I was Skynet, I am this all-powerful AI that was able to get the jump on mankind and annihilate them. I should see a truck appearing. That alone should be destroyed. Yep, blow Never it up mind immediately. Tr- immediately. Never mind a truck being driven by a Terminator. If there ever was a warning sign of, oh... This is a Trojan horse. Like, this is like a wildy coyote level, just like ploy to get inside. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, wildy coyote would look at this and be like, like, Acme wouldn't even carry this in the catalog. That's how bad of a plan this is. <laughs> this would be an Acme knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> like, how many deliveries is Skynet getting? Think about it. This is the post apocalypse. We ha- like look at the terrain. The terrain is just like rubble and skulls. Terminators would not be transporting things over land. They'd be flying them. Yep. Never mind because it's more practical. It'd be more efficient. Yep. If I was Skynet in any sort of this like vehicle like knocked on my front door, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> like and never mind because I know you can make an argument to like the three Terminator Genesis defenders there are on this earth. Being like, oh, this is all planned by like Matt Smith Terminator to like lure them in. But then you think too, why is nobody in the resistance being like, we've never seen a Skynet convoy before? What would make us think that this would work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just because he's John Connor's the hero, his plan has to work. I it's like I don't get it. Like that, okay. Yeah, this I don't I don't get it either. I w- I I was definitely angered by that, you know, cuz all this all this stuff with the terminators are supposed to be these supreme killing machines and one of them can't even kill Jai Courtney and he's crawling on the ground in like a few minutes after the scene we're talking on talking about. But the thing that really hit me in this movie as like I screamed at the TV was they go forward in time to 2017. Yes. And they go and they show up and the first thing we see in 2017 is the Genesis billboard that's like, you got 36 hours till Genesis gets deployed. And I'm like, why didn't they go back like a month early? And I was I was kind of okay with that. I didn't I was angry about it. But yeah, you know, they had this prototype time machine. I guess it might not be that accurate, but it had to be accurate 
for Arnold to find them in the future, whatever. But I have I always have a problem with that. Like when movies artificially insert ticking clocks that don't need to be there. And then maybe 20 minutes later, the movie literally gives me a middle finger when the timer just (laughs) randomly snaps to 11 minutes. And then again, it snaps to like five minutes. And they, they literally have lines of dialogue where it's like, the timer just changed. We only have five minutes now. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck the whole concept of a ticking clock. If one, it's not going to move in real time, it's going to move in movie time, and two, it's just going to change constantly. Like this was, this was. I hated this. <laughs> I hated it so much. Well, okay, this is the defense I'll give because I've heard that complaint a lot with this movie, being like, "Oh, why wouldn't they show up like a month prior to like Genesis starting?" Uh, my thing is that you could say that about every single film in the franchise. Like, why sure. wasn't Ky- why wasn't Kyle Reese sent back a year in advance? Yes, and the, and that's that, I I get that because you know I'm thinking of um, the Stephen King book and show they made eleven twenty two sixty three, like the main character can only go back in time to sometime in the fifties, and that's it. And he like has to spend ten plus years to get to eleven twenty two sixty three when Kennedy gets assassinated, and so. I get that it's like it's it's a, a speed up because, you know, there's no point in being like they went back two years early and did nothing for two years. Now the movie picks up. I get that. But the timer, like literally Matt Smith, child oh, yeah. hologram oh, yeah. going, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Fuck you. I've evolved. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, that that was when I screamed. So I don't know if I screamed because I hate, I think it was like they. They, the movie lubed me up to be angry because they gave me that issue with the ticking clock that I had, which was minor, and I'm with you. You could say that about any movie in the Terminator franchise or a bunch of movies in general. And But then they lubed me up to be angry, and then they were like, fuck it, time doesn't matter. Just watch this film. I was like, that's literally what I'm saying, I guess, that I spent you know <laughs> 10 plus hours watching Terminator movies. Yep. That fucking time doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's again. I, I, that's why this is like one of those movies. Like eventually, you have to like just kind of like let it like crash over you like a wave. Yeah, it's best not to get caught up in the minutiae of it because by the end, like the very very end, nothing in the movie makes sense. It's like oh, Arnold somehow survives the explosion because he gets thrown into the T one thousand goo. The polyaluminum alloy. <laughs> I'm upgraded. Polyalloy requires programming to take permanent form. Without the CPU, it is harmless. And then we have the whole thing where they have to go, like, have, oh, God, uh, talk to, like, baby Kyle Reese. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they, they get in a little red truck and ride into, like, this, like the sunset. <laughs> then we have the post-credit scene of, like, red... Epcot Ball, Skynet, and Baby Matt Smith. Oh yeah, fuck that! I hate it. The, <laughs> like the post-credit scene was just as bad as the twist. I'm doing air quotes in Salvation because, like I said, the Salvation twist was ha ha. The things you thought were good or bad, and the the post-credit scene here was just like they didn't do anything. Like basically everything was pointless because Skynet is still alive. And I get that that's kind of the premise of all these movies, but at the same time, I was like, why? Why even include this? Probably it was the precursor to Infinity War. <laughs> they were breaking new ground in 2015. Somewhere oh in Marvel God. Studios, Disney was watching, being like, "Uh huh, uh-huh, see, we're 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 gonna we can do the exact same stupid ass thing and make two billion dollars off it." This is like I I think I might have said this to Zach when we weren't recording, but my my concept of like 
nobody's just successful. Somebody else has to fall on their sword first trying to do something. And it's like, this was the movie that fell on their sword that made the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe yep. be fantastic. <laughs> yep. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, God. So I yeah. did want to mention um, quickly two, before we get to the, the performance of the film, two other actors. Um, Miles Dyson, of course, it's not Joe Morton, but I have to mention that it's Courtney B. Vance. ADA Ron Carver from Law and Order Criminal Intent. It was great to see him because I've never seen him in anything but like this, the OJ uh, drama and uh, Criminal Intent. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, have you seen, um, so she had a minor part in this, but the female detective that like arrests Amelia Clark and Kyle Reese. So it's like just before J.K. Simmons shows up, she turns out to be a Terminator, I think. That's like Arnold hears her through the one-way glass and kills her before she can kill uh, J.K. No, that's a, no, that's 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 Asian Terminator. That, that's that's uh, John Connor Terminator. Yes, Asian Terminator. The oh. no, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the woman. Oh no, but you mean earlier when uh, before Arnold shows up? No, no, no. Uh, uh, when Arnold is in the interrogation room oh. in 2017. Oh, like like he he walks he blows people away through the the one way mirror to kill this woman. Oh. I thought, I thought she was a. Oh, I thought that's the Asian woman. It is a. She is Asian. Yes. Oh, okay. I guess she's the Terminator. They don't really explain that, but he like Arnold prevents her from killing J.K. Simmons. So her name oh. is Sandrine or San Sandrine Holt. Okay. She's only been in a few things here or there. I wanted to get a sense of what Zach thinks of her because, once again, the only thing I really know her from is. She's like the new psychologist on Law and Order's VU, like in the last season, because BD Wong is like, fuck this show. I hate this show. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so they have to get new psychologists every season. And she's the newest one. And she is so condescending. Like she comes off, like she'll be like interviewing in SVU universe, like three-year-olds or four-year-olds that got molested. And she's coming off as condescending to them. And, it, and it's really unappealing to me. But she has so little to do in this movie. And when I looked at her kind of filmography, she has nothing to do in anything she's ever been in. Have Do you know her from anywhere else? I do not. Okay, yeah, because that's it seems like she's just, oh, we need we need to fill quotas. We need diversity. This works. Like she just it seems like she just gets placed into things and she never has anything to do. And then when she does something, it's totally off the mark. I'll, I'll have to report back when season 21 of Zvu starts and and she comes back and like punches a little kid or something. Maybe they'll do in, something interesting with it. <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. No, definitely not. <laughs> the most interesting thing I can hope for in, in Zvu is that they get Ice-T to call someone an asshole every now and then. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know she was on something. When she started zoning out... I tried to help her. I took her to the hospital. That was the right thing to do, wasn't it? You heard that, Sarge, right? Yeah. So you are the person who brought her to the hospital? Okay, you're free to go. What, really? No, asshole, sit down. <laughs> so now we have to talk about J.K. Simmons, the saving grace of this movie. He, when he comes into frame, when he does the whole, like, you know, he's he's that, the Dr. Silberman type of this film, sure. I definitely got that connection. But when he shows up and he's screaming at the other cops in the parking lot where he's like, 
these people were there. They were there in 1984. I saw them all these years ago. And they're just like, have you been drinking? My note was, and I know Zach can relate to this. Don't you just hate when someone won't let you be a good detective just because you're drunk? <laughs> I think we've so, all been through that struggle. Right off the bat, he has that great scene there. He, he comes into the hospital room. He's like, you were there. You were this, that, the other thing. And they're like all humoring him and or the... Uh, Jai Courtney and Amelia Clark are like playing off of him to do their whole escape plan or whatever before John Connor shows up and that's irrelevant. But I cannot express to you, Zach, how much I laughed when J.K. Simmons, the establishing shot is he's just leaning against a wall at the entrance of the hospital. Like he's just he's just standing there. And I think like the the other detectives walk by and he looks at them. And then Arnold walks in with a giant teddy bear, and there's like a a, a little slow-mo, a zoom-in shot of Arnold, and J.K. Simmons that cuts back to him, and he doesn't like mumble anything or say like, what the fuck, but his face conveys it so perfectly, and I lost it. I thought that was so funny that J.K. Simmons is just like, I'm guessing, a little drunk. He He's finally found these people who he saw 30-something years ago that saved his life. And then this Terminator shows up with a giant teddy bear, and he just knows something's going to happen, and he's just, like, scoffs and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And then he yeah, yeah. sparsely throughout the rest of the movie, but in the best possible ways. <laughs> yeah, J.K. Simmons was kind of like the moon blood Gordon, like, common of this, where it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, like, for the inevitable sequels, he'd show up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why he signed on to this. I guess J.K. Simmons wants a paycheck like everybody else. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is right after. He, well, this was filmed before he won his Oscar, but this is before like Detective Gordon in Justice League, and oh god, him going back to Spider Man like momentarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm guessing this is the idea. Like, okay, it's like anything else. It's a steady paycheck. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I got no problem with that. You know, they they have. This is what they do for a living, so they're doing it for a living. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why he's in. Why this character is even here, unless they. I would imagine he would probably be the one that figures out because there is the entire subplot too of like, oh, why is there a T one thousand in nineteen eighty four? Why was why was the T eight hundred sent back to like Sarah Connor when she was nine years old? And there's even a point where the movie even explicitly asks, "Why is he here?" And it's like, oh, those files have been erased, and the movie just drops it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, okay ab- then. Absolutely. I guess I, I guess we have to wait to the sequel for that, which we'll never get. Yep. Um, so of course I would be remiss. I think we'd both be remiss if we don't mention probably the uh, next to the next to the Amelia Clark. You sound like a dying cat line. The other greatest line of the movie, where all hell's breaking loose. I think it's revealed John Connor's evil. Arnold's breaking these uh, Amelia Clark and Jai Courtney out of out of I was about to say prison out of the hospital. <laughs> and there's just one scene. One camera angle, J.K. Simmons bursts in. You don't even know it's J.K. Simmons. You just see someone like bust open the door to the uh, surveillance room of the hospital, which we had previously seen Arnold fucking flip a dude onto, <laughs> which was a cool scene. I love that. With he just literally flicks the chair with his foot, and the guy goes flying. He he. J.K. Simmons busts in. The dude's messed up. All the monitors are messed up. And J.K. Simmons says. Goddamn time-traveling robots covered their goddamn tracks. I knew it! And leaves. And that's the scene. And I was like... Goddamn time-traveling robots covering up their goddamn tracks. I knew it. 
I was like, I would be you. I would be you <laughs> in this move. Like, if I was living through this Terminator thing as, like, this tertiary character, I'd be saying the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, again, he gets shot at one point, too, right? Yeah, near the end. Uh, uh, well, I think from the Asian Terminator, shoots him in the shoulder. Okay. Because that's when he gives another great line of dialogue, because he finds Sarah Connor, and he's like, I want to help you. At least, I think I want to help you. But you got to make this understandable to me. And she goes, we're trying to save the world. And he pauses and goes, I can work with that. And I'm like, why are they always trying to kill you? I want to help you. I do, I think. But I, I, I got to understand. I know what's going on here. It has to be really, really complicated. We're here to stop the end of the world. I can work with that. I'm like, perfect. Thank you. This is this is what I want. This is the silver lining to this movie. Is this just this straight man and the nonsense that he gets thrown into? It was it was great. Yeah, he's like I said, it's uh, no, nothing in this movie kind of gels. Everything just don't kind of layer. Yeah, this his performance does not work with the movie, but it stood out to me. That's why I'm highlighting it. To be fair, nothing in the only performance. Okay, I guess it's the part I want to kind of like highlight the things I do like about this movie is. I love Arnold. Arnold is used ex- like oh god, ex- sparingly. Mm-hmm. I some of the action sequences are great. Some of them are not too cool, like the the bus flip on the bridge, the whole bridge thing. Like even though I do like him, fly, he gets what dragged out from underneath the bus, and he goes flying down the road and goes crashing headfirst into the car or yeah. the police car. Get he, out! <laughs> yeah, nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Then, like when he sits there, like he's driving, and he gets out of it. Like Walt's moving. Like okay, fine. That's that's cool. Um, but no, Arnold's stuff is great. Like they're finally they really kind of leaned into the the paternal figure in this movie. It's like everybody. Yeah. That's probably the one genuinely clever element of this. They really leaned into the the notion of him being a father. I I didn't. Figure. I I was definitely okay with that. I liked Arnold's performance. I didn't like that they referred to him as pops. Because to me, whenever you call someone Pops, it's the character from Regular Show, which we will have to get a clip in here because it is a very different character from Arnold Schwarzenegger. So that was that took me out a little bit. But that, of course, is my own bias. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Um, You want to know what's really scary? We could sit alone and be with our thoughts. (laughs) I got some bad news. The park is being audited. Pops tried to pay the park's taxes with lollipops. But I gave them more than enough! We already went over this, Pops. You pay taxes with money, not lollipops. The action sequence where they lure the T-1000 into the, I don't even know what they call it, the, uh, the hideout. Yeah, the sewers or the sewer aqueducts or something like that. Whatever it is. And she goes into the room and they have all the acid kind of like from the barrels up above. Mm-hmm. And and that was clever. The idea of like, oh, you have this thing about it. the entire plot of Terminator 2 is how are we going to destroy the liquid metal man? And this it's like, oh, have a bunch of acid, put it in like an open ceiling room suspend the acid and then get in the middle of it have a little thing of like was it uh, nitrogen to, like, if you get if any of it leaks mm-hmm. and wait for him to get to the center of it and then even how that scene kind of concludes where you're watching him kind of like he keeps trying to get up and he keeps dissolving yep. and dissolving further and then like he comes out for like one more attack and arnold just goes right up to him and grabs him by the neck and lets his own god his own leather jacket hoodie and like flesh and part of his like endoskeleton arm get melted as he just deliberately holds 
the character in the acid. I'm like, that's neat. That's yeah, great- yeah, definitely. You look at the marketing for this movie. Like, it's some of the most just, like, bland marketing. We'll get, I'll have to touch on the Entertainment Weekly thing in a moment. But you could have done a really great, like, teaser poster of, like, an Arnold, an old Arnold Schwarzenegger with, like, a, like an exposed metal arm. That could have been a teaser poster. Yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely. infinitely more interesting than anything you could plug Amelia Clark into or Jai Courtney. But again, they weren't. That's the thing about this movie. I don't know who they were making this movie for because it's, it's trying so hard to get the marketing and the produce the, the filmmaking aspect of it is trying so hard to get new people on board. Yet the film is firmly rooted in like hard Terminator lore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then going to like just real quick, the entertainment weekly pictures for had Rob look at. Yep, yep. This was, this was like the first piece of marketing they had for the movie. And I think this came out like in November uh, of 2014. And, this like people like this like people were dying laughing at this. <laughs> it is joke, pretty funny. The joke was how how on earth did Paramount's PR department sign off on this? Because it's embarrassing. It's all the mix. It's Matt Smith, Jason Clark, Amelia Clark, and Jai Courtney, and they're all just like screaming, holding futuristic weapons. Yeah, like, I, yeah. The Matt the Matt Smith one is the weird one to me because it's like he doesn't. Hold a weapon at any point in the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, not that we notice. And but that okay, the Matt Smith thing is when this movie this was it's oddly enough, much like what's happening right now with the rise of Skywalker and Matt Smith's like alleged involvement in this, mm-hmm. even though everybody knew Matt Smith was in this, and this was right after I think this was like within a year of him like leaving Doctor Who. Okay. It was the thing of oh, like they were keeping his role a secret. It's like, oh, Matt Smith is playing a super secret role in Terminator Genesis. Uh, Terminator Genesis. What could it be? And there was like so much speculation about this. And I think his part in this was meant to be a red herring. Okay. And once again, I think he was going to be much again. It's it's your producer mindset. Our protagonist mm-hmm. is Amelia Clark, the star of the biggest show on television right now. Matt Smith is going to be our antagonist of this trilogy. Him being like the king of like nerdum right now. Yep, And that's what it was. It was this very just like, again, cobbled together marketing of like, oh, all these different elements trying to plug them in. And that marketing, though, like real, I think a lot of people who were on board with the idea of a new Terminator film, because, again, even though a lot of people dislike three and four, people were at least still on board with getting Arnold back. That was one thing that that move that Genesis had going for it that Salvation didn't. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're writing the wrongs of Salvation. Yeah. And then when you have that, everyone goes like, oh, A, where's Arnold? And B, this photo shoot is so awkward. There's nobody who looks at that and goes, oh, I want to see this movie. And that was kind of one of the very first, like, probably the first canary in the coal mine dying of like, this movie's going to have problems. Okay, fair, fair. So yeah, that's the story. That's the context of the Entertainment Weekly picture. So folks, okay. you, <laughs> when I googled this, one of the I was scrolling down, and one of the images, uh, the image itself isn't anything special, but the like the uh, caption of the website underneath the image is "Terminator Genesis will be insane," and Matt Smith's role confirms it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the 
rumor because t- the rumor came out ahead of time that like, oh, he's playing the living the living embodiment of Skynet. Everyone's like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, living embodiment of Skynet. What is that? And I remember that leaking. People being like, oh no, they're going weird. I remember that was part of the thing too. A lot of people were having like the leaks were having a hard time like describing what the movie was about because it didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like, oh, like, like oh, like you're going back because they did. Like people didn't know that. Like oh, we're going back to like 1984, and there was like talk about two of them going back to like 1992. Or um, or 1997, the events of Terminator 2. There was like talk about sure. that, and it, obviously that part didn't happen. But it was, it was, it was a movie that you could tell just the warning signs were there. Yeah, yeah, okay. But again, going back to things I like, I like that. I like art. I like the 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 acid. I like the last 30 minutes. I really like everything from the helicopter sequence. Mm-hmm. I like that the way like they he deliberately kind of like tips it over the over the side of the building, and we have the chase. What was it? Also, they have the the, the oh god, the, the, I don't even know what it is. They, they do a really bad job of describing it. It's like a, a device used for breaching do- locked doors, and it has like oh, no yeah, gunpowder, no shrapnel or anything yeah. like that. And yeah, it's just, just like oh, okay, I guess we need a god explosive at this point in the movie. <laughs> I really like. The moment where like, Kyle Reese is like, I need it. It's like, Pops, I can get you a clear shot. Can you take him out? Affirmative. And it's like, and this, Amelia Clark's like, where are you going? And it's like, I'll be back. And, and I loved how the, they had, it's, like I said, they ruined it because they played it in every single trailer for this movie. Mm, but okay. even rewatching it and knowing it was coming, I love that. The idea of the Terminator using himself as a human missile to crash into a moving helicopter from a moving helicopter after saying the most iconic Terminator line ever with the ba-bum, bum, ba-bum. Like, we'll insert the clip here, but, like, I'm like, that's great. You got this? I'll be back. What? Right I'm like that's that's you know what that's what you want out of a Terminator film. Like, and it's as much as I complain with Star Wars, how like I hate the nostalgia, I hate the like stroking the fans like egos. That works for me in a way that it doesn't work for me. Like when it comes to Star Wars, because like I never, like, I guess I've never taken Terminator so seriously that like it's beyond just like, oh god, eating itself. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of having an older Arnold come back to his most iconic role. At this point, what thirty years later, mm-hmm. and you have him doing that. He goes, and it's just—it's neat. It, it, it does. It, it's the—it's a sort of fan service that you want. But the problem, though, is that it should be used sparingly. Like it's like Arnold saying, "I'll be back," while crashing into a moving helicopter. Yeah, gr- good fan service. Amelia Clark screaming, "Now, soldier!" Bad fan service. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then going to like even the end where I think they land the helicopter and she's like, I hope Pops will be all right. And Kyle Reese is like, he might be at the bottom of the lake, but he'll be fine, I'm sure. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good one liner. And, and, and Jai Courtney plays it pretty well. And they go inside. And of course, John Connor, Jason Clark's waiting for them. And he's monologuing. And Arnold has a rotor from the helicopter wing, throws it through the lobby, and comically impales Jason Clark, John Connor. And it's like, John Connor talks too much. I'm like, that's yeah. great. 
I'm like, I'm like, as much as I complain about the Captain America picking up Thor's hammer moment in the, that that's the Zachary equivalent of Captain America picking up Thor's hammer. I'm like, I'm like, that's great. I'm like, give me more of that. I want right more on. of that. If you're gonna give me fan service, <laughs> do fan service that's charming. Yeah. Not this freaking derivative nonsense or the oh good lord, the theoretical. Theoretically, theoretical. Like if it wouldn't yep. take an, if it wouldn't require us to literally rewatch this entire movie again, we would play a super cut of all the times <laughs> they say theoretical. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. The rule of nines, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, dear. So, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, there's probably things, there's more I can say about Terminator Genesis, but for the sake of time, I'm going to, uh, forego them. Yeah, I feel the same way, is that, you know, we, we had to get through these, um, and we did, thankfully. <laughs> yes, we did. So I guess, Rob, with that being said, Cinemati and or Late Night Movie for Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis. Okay, I was gonna ask earlier if we were gonna group these or separate them, we're because separate one... Them. Okay, okay, so I have a, a new uh, dynamic uh, in the uh, spreadsheet uh, to play with. <laughs> oh, boy. But I didn't ask if we were going to separate them or not earlier, because at least for this, Cinemodities and Late Night, I am in agreement. I think, between the two movies. And I'm going to go all four squares, uh, no. No, oh. to, no to both movies on Cinemodity and no to both movies as Late Night. And for, in terms of Cinemodities, I think my answers kind of wrap up uh, or my reasons wrap up in the same uh, vein for all of them. Salvation, I thought, was just a movie. It was an action film. It didn't really do much for me, but it was there. I didn't have too many problems with it. That doesn't really make me want to show it at late night. I don't, it doesn't make me think it's a cinemodity. Genesis was bad. Genesis was not enjoyable. And that does not make me want to watch it late at night. And it does not make it a cinemodity for me as well. I think because especially thinking about this whole month and this whole series of why we've, you know, why I was torn on cinemodities at the beginning of it because of those first three movies and those kind of concepts, these don't fit in the same vein for me. And I, I, I'm going to say no to all four for that reason. All right. I, okay. This is going to be a weird, like it's not a split. It's like a, a fraction. It's a quarter. Okay. I I agree with you on Salvation. Salvation is neither a cinemati or a late night movie. Okay. Genesis would hurt is a late night movie. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like I get a headache if I watch this at night. I am going to give Genesis a cinemati though. Oh, okay. Because of how just it's the most, oh Lord, definable, or I guess the best example of the chocolate pretzel dilemma. Of just connecting all these things that work in an immediate sense, yet do not work in a broad picture. Okay, okay. And there are, and this movie is so weird between the fact that, like, the story is grounded so much in Terminator, like, in the films, yet every other aspect of the movie is like, no, we're, we're different from those other four films. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, ignore those other four films, but you better have seen them to understand a single thing that happened in this movie. Okay, fair. I, I, uh, I get. I understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. Yes. A Salvation is a, it's an action adventure movie with the word with, with Terminator characters in it. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's good. It's, it's a neat movie. Late night movie. No, I don't think so. Uh, Genesis. No, definitely not a late night movie, but it's a cinemati. I'd say it is. It gets a yes from me. Okay. Okay. Right on. I, I do. Ha I do have some things to pitch for the restaurant, but I wanted to ask you before we dive into snacks, is there any food in Genesis? 
Like I was after I watched the movie, I was thinking, I was like, did they ever eat? Did they ever mention food? Is there is there no mention of food in the entire movie of Genesis? Did, did you, I, anything stand out to you? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, I've only seen Genesis, the least of all these movies, so I I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, I didn't pick up on anything. Like, literally, like, Kylo Reese goes into battle in 2029, gets into this time machine that hurts him physically to get him to 1984, spends, like, you know, maybe a few hours in 1984, and then what? They're in, like, another, like... They don't. They need to eat, right? <laughs> I, I, again, I don't know. I so, really, I don't think so. Maybe yes. something. Maybe something in the uh, the hospital. Maybe the that's station. the closest thing we might get. But that was one thing where I was like, I don't. I can't think of any foods for Genesis. But don't worry, for salvation, I oh, have yeah. a great idea. I going right along the lines of the Jaeger. So the Jaeger Terminator that we've talked about before. Uh, we didn't mention that what the Jaeger Terminator is like fighting Sam Worthington at one point, and he yes. gets like flown from the Jaeger and skips on water <laughs> yes. like like a rock, like he's he's a skipping stone for all intents and purposes. So I was thinking, let's add in sin emodities or maybe a joint thing between the adults and the kids, some type of of slide or a water park ride Ooh. that would skip you <gasps> like a stone when you're done riding it. Like oh, it, it, yeah, go for it. Hold on a second. Cinematis water park. Yes. There you go. And this ride that I'm pitching is going to like shoot you so fast that you're going to skip across the water when you hit it. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, folks. <laughs> We now have a water park. We've just opened up a whole nother venture. We have Cinemonides. We have Cinemonides. Now we have a water park in the middle of downtown Manhattan. (laughs) Yes. Oh, it's great. I love Oh, man. Then the actual snack I was thinking of also relates to the Jaeger because, of course, in Salvation, they show up at like the 7 Eleven or the gas station that's dilapidated with all the other people. And the old they're like you have to leave like this is our place you know and the older woman is like no 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 we're gonna feed them and then they can leave and and she just pulls out like a basket of carrots yeah and this is a it's just a basket a wicker basket full of carrots and as soon as they start eating them there's that shot where everybody's like this is like the guy's like you're stupid this is not your decision to make and then everybody gets lifted away by the jaeger so i was thinking maybe let's this like ties into the water park where if you order the basket full of carrots at the restaurant, the Jaeger comes and picks you up and puts you in the water park. Like it's, um, <laughs> like it's, um, oh God, you remember that old, like it's the second season of like the Batman, the animated series. It's the, it's the, like the episode where the Riddler gets introduced and Batman and Robin get caught in this huge fucking maze. And there's just this hand, like a solid gold hand just flies around the maze and it'll pick you up at random and drop you somewhere else. It's like the the difficulty of the maze is that you can go where you want, but you have to avoid this hand because it's going to fuck up your progress. That's the Jaeger for our restaurant. <laughs> like you're like, okay, I'm getting on, the, I'm getting on the A tram to the D two tram to the F tram to get to the Vox Lux cinema, Cinematronics. <laughs> but the but the Jaeger comes and picks you up on the on the D two tram and you get transported to the water park. <laughs> My word, 
Oh, that. That's the hand of fate. When you make a mistake, it picks you up and takes you to another part of the maze. Oh my god. It's good. That's good. <laughs> I love but that it. Was I it. love the Jaeger. The Jaeger was everything I had for snacks. Well, I Genesis point, blew me away. I want to point out that, like, you're right. The carrots are hysterical. So I always want because the thing about though is that it's not filled with carrots. There is one carrot because Star is eating like, one carrot. Yeah, that's but what Kyle, I like too. Yeah, <laughs> but you can hear a crinkling sound on the audio, and Kyle Reese has like some sort of like plastic wrapper in his hand. Oh, okay. So it's some sort of like processed, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like a Twinkie yeah. or some form of like convenience store, like snack cake or something. Yep. But my, okay, of course, we still, we're going to have laser tag for all these. Terminator Salvation laser tag is pretty explanatory. It's going to mm-hmm. be what you, from the movie. The Terminator Genesis one, it's just like you go to plug it in, like it, it's all broken, nothing makes sense. Or actually, what <laughs> what it is, is that you have to drive a Terminator truck to the front lines of Skynet and you die immediately because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's the shortest uh, version of the laser La- park. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, the Co- yeah. it's like the Kobayashi Maru of Star Trek. It's like, you're never going to win. It's a matter of how you lose. Um, but for snack or for snack meal item, I- I'm fortunate like Rob, I cannot outdo the ambitiousness of the Cinemodis water park. <laughs> but this is a good one though. This is an item for the menu, and what it is is it's the title of the item is Two Day Old Coyote, and then the little description says Beats Three Day Old Coyote. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I-, I like that. I like that. Keep it you know, simple. Who knows, who knows what coyote tastes like, right? Yeah. And definitely, I think we all would prefer two-day coyote over three-day coyote, right? I guess. Until I, I know more about coyote, I'll take the fresher coyote. Good, good. That's all that matters. <laughs> who knows? Coyote might get, you know, vintage, like it's better with age. <laughs> I'm also now interested in the idea of, like, what if coyote meat is the only meat that gets better with age? So <laughs> it's basically like a Slim Jim. Like, you don't even oh, need to like refrigerate it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's not fleshed out fully, but that's an interesting idea. Like, what would be better, two or three day old coyote? Is that a dog? It's a coyote. Not gonna bite me, right? Oh, coyotes are blessed creatures. If you ever find yourself alone with a coyote, you don't run away. You follow it. See where he takes you. People think we own this land, the streets, yards and hills, houses and the caves. Everything belongs to the coyotes. They're just letting us use it. You know I can't tell you that. I do want to point out that like there is a plot point in Terminator Salvation of like a bunch of like degenerate slobs are like, oh you go, what you got there, honey? Like, like they're, rub- they're rubbing their belly buttons. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like antibiotics are hard to come by in these parts. Moon Blood Goods like, oh guys, we're all on the same team. And we go from we want your antibiotics to rape. 
Yep. Oh, yeah. There is like no zero to 60. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why is this in a Terminator movie? Yeah. Like, was, like this yeah, is so yeah, strange. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do we give crap about Genesis? There's not like Genesis has a lot of weird things going on it because like, it doesn't make sense. But there's nothing just as blatantly strange as having like an attempted rape over antibiotics in your Terminator film. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a scene from. Although any any of those post apocalyptic movies, you know, like uh, random bandits show up and want to steal something from you, and it's like, okay, I and get what you're going for, but you didn't need to take that turn. And there's a woman there, so clearly we, that's just the natural thing you do in the post apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah. You see a woman, it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, such, a, it's such a weird thing. Like, I don't get like why that has to be in the movie, and then like Sam Worthington is about to, like stab a guy with a screwdriver. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. That maybe that maybe that's another piece of Cinemati's merchandise. We get we give people screwdrivers. Ooh, protect okay. yourselves. Need something to chip away the dried stuff on the jizzles. <laughs> we're still we're still <laughs> running with that joke, folks. It's been a month, but we're still running with it. Oh my god! But yeah, that's a uh, Terminator, right? Yeah, I think that's all I had for sure. Um, I guess from here, we everybody knows what we're doing next, Monstober. We start with um, the non-Monstober Monstober of Goosebumps. So yes. look forward to that next week. And we will return at the end of Monstober, if we can survive it. Um, we're going to get Terminator Dark Fate, right? As long as it doesn't get delayed or whatever might happen. Or if it's so bad that we decide to skip it. Because that's also there's a very real possibility, folks, that depending on what I'm hearing about this... Uh, this might be even worse than Genesis. I don't so know, this, Zach. It's directed by Tim Miller, and he directed Deadpool. And wasn't that a great movie that will always stand the test of time? And Jimmy C says this is the best Terminator <laughs> film ever made. That wasn't Terminator Genesis or Terminator <laughs> One or Two. <laughs> Rob, it's only the one, two, three, fourth best Terminator <laughs> film ever made. <laughs> Oh God! But yeah, we have we'll one. See, yeah, we'll see. But we have one final question to resolve. At the beginning of this series, I asked Rob if he could go into the past oh, or go God. into the future. Which would he choose? So I didn't I know if ask, you were going to bring this up. I thought we might save this for Dark Fate, but given what we what, just said, <laughs> that's why I was going to ask. I was about to say, should we save it and keep it ambiguous? Should we keep that an open-ended question? Much like the open-ended questions of Terminator Salvation and Genesis. So if we don't continue the series, it will be a lost like a, a lost answer to time. Or should we be nice to our audience and wrap it up? I have some, for an unknown reason, some weird faith that we will finish the Terminator series. I don't know why. Because I've read a lot of the same stuff Zach has. Or at least in, in terms of the movie. Um... So I think that we should hold it off. It might become a lost question, but I think it's one that I like enough that if it does become lost, we will be able to relate it elsewhere. Because the other part of my answer to your, the question you just asked me, should we hold it off or discuss it now, Zach, is I think you're going to roll your eyes at this. It's going to take me some time to discuss my answer to this now. <laughs> So I, I was even tempted to say with Terminator Genesis, since I didn't have any snacks, we would do that. But I think we should hold off. Maybe the next next Terminator will give me some insight to it. But it's going to involve Terminators, 
observers, uh, strangers. Like I'm pulling from a, Dean Norris is involved in my answer. Good. So good. so let's say if it becomes a lost question, maybe it'll end up as a bonus episode because I oh boy. just happen to yell at Zach about it while he's recording one day. <laughs> See, folks, even more of an incentive not to record that episode. Have we ever that'd be a first for Cinematis ending a series before it's supposed to. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's funny. The entire episode is indeterminate. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, if we don't get to it, it'll definitely, you know, come up in the two-year extravaganza. So, no, it definitely will. So, with that, so with that being said, how are we going to wrap up this week's show? I think there's no point in reusing the Terminator themes from Salvation or Genesis because they themselves are reusing the Terminator theme that we've played with in the appropriate ways for one, two, and three. So this is exactly why I think we should have some bailout in reverse. Get some good techno Christian bail yelling at us backwards. Oh, Maybe we'll pick up boy. a satanic message. <laughs> we'll summon Christian bail to the Cinemani's restaurant. <laughs> Our professional relationship is over once I figure out how to get out of here. <laughs>